Anthony Grant picks his way to the left. Inside the 40, 35, 30, breaks the tackle. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody is thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium upside down right now. Eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Gets hit drop. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. Well, how about I set it up to you this way? It's the eve of a conference home game where the number two team in the nation is coming in. And Nebraska has a chance, nay, an opportunity to get a program-changing win that would be the most significant one this program has seen in a decade plus. It's true. It's true. I don't know if it feels that way in Lincoln, Nebraska, but we're trying to make it feel that way in Lincoln, Nebraska this morning. Welcome to the Friday Husker Tailgate. I am Jack Mitchell. Caleb Henry here, as always. Good morning, Caleb. Good morning. We've got Mike Schaefer from Husker 24-7 joining us, as he always does as well. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I'm trying to think of the biggest win at home conference play for Nebraska in recent memory, and the first game that came to mind was Michigan State 2015. Probably it. So that's probably it. You know, that's eight, nine seasons. Not ago. quite a decade. Not yeah. quite a decade. But pretty much for all intents and purposes, for what people have seen around here, two decades. Yes. Yeah. 2015. So there you go. Uh, and then Kenny, uh, Kenny Larrabee also is uh, in studio with us today. He is manning the Facebook stream. If you'd like to watch us, watch a video of us, you can do that at facebook.com slash LNK today. And uh, see some great graphics, some video, everything else. Kenny does some great job doing the video there. So check that out. Kevin Suits will join us a little bit later. We've got all of the things you've come to expect from the Friday Husker tailgate. We'll give away helmets, stickers. We'll give you an opposition disposition preview. We'll count down the five things you're talking about this Husker weekend. But let's get things started with what I said there at the beginning Mike, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm expecting exactly, and I understand Nebraska is a 17 point underdog, but for some reason there isn't that sort of like underdog gusto that you somehow sometimes get for these sorts of games. Like a big game feeling. Here's a big opportunity. It's nothing that the team or the players or the coach are saying. I don't know. It just doesn't really feel that way around here. And maybe you contrast it with. 2019, when Ohio State comes in, and I know college game day was here, but there was sort of a, I don't know, there was an air of excitement as if something was about perhaps to happen. It wasn't, but but it feels different, and I'm not sure if you've seen that, too, from your own work and, and your message boards and everything else that you deal with, too. Yeah, I, I think the difficulty is where Michigan matches up really well against what Nebraska does well. It's hard to, to figure out, okay... What's the angle? Where can Nebraska potentially, you know, do some things here? That 2019 Ohio State game was coming off of, in 2018, Scott Frost coached Urban Meyer effectively to a draw. True. And a couple turnovers 
stop me if you've heard this before. Yeah. A couple turnovers <laughs> were the <laughs> only reason why Nebraska didn't emerge victorious that day. Mm-hmm. So I, I think some of it was that. Some of it was just the general like way they had finished 2018. You don't really have that yet for the Matt Rule era. You had the two wins against the two by teams that were expected, yeah. you know, and they hadn't beaten Colorado or Minnesota. You have a, a Michigan team coming in that just looks like a well-oiled machine that basically in the first half plays with its food a little bit in the second half, you know, finishes it whole. So it, uh, it, it's hard to figure out, like I said, what the angle is if you're trying to really play up a, Nebraska has a chance here, and they do because it's college football. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, we, especially here in the bubble, it gets very, uh, you know, I've had more discussions about is Nebraska going to get shut out than I have about can Nebraska actually win My this point game? exactly. Yeah, so that's, the, that's the tenor here. The, like. the doom and gloom is pretty high for this game. It is. And I wonder if it, you mentioned some of the reasons, Injury, Nebraska just being ravaged by injuries uh, yeah, I mean, definitely doesn't help at all. Name how many starting offensive players they expected to have August 1 at this time of year right. that they don't have right yeah. now. I mean, man, you really do go through it, right? To arguably the two top wide receivers, the two top running backs, starting quarterback, and then on the other side of the ball, really two two safeties that well, you expected to, to be a part of this. Right. Sounds like Reimer's going to play, but right. yeah, and Eric Gilbert. Linebacker. And Eric Gilbert. Yeah, expectations in August, early August, Eric Gilbert was going to get the waiver and play. Right. All of that said, in retrospect, we're comparing it to 2019 Ohio State, which was an absolute... Nebraska was torn apart by Ohio State in that game. It was ugly. They had um, that one drive. That, that one, one magical they drive. they busted out the option yeah, a little bit. Dedrick Mills was just slamming it on the triple option play. And then Nebraska. They, nev- they never ran those formations and those plays again the <laughs> yeah. rest of the Scott Frost They era. spent the entire week working on that. That was the, the yes. big thing, the big wrinkle, the way they were going to catch Ohio State. And for one drive, it looked incredible until an Adrian Martinez interception at the very end of it. Yeah. Right? Yes. Uh, but <laughs> well, they, as Caleb said, never. not only did they not return to it in that game, they didn't return to it ever again. And it was one of those things where it's like, okay, 2019, you're playing Purdue. You need three yards. Maybe the Jack stole, you know, throw where he's two yards behind the line of scrimmage and has to turn forward. Maybe three times in the red zone. Maybe throw that away. How about you let Diedrich Mills go straight? Nope, never happened. They yeah. treated that script of plays that like, like it was a running back who went the wrong way once. You just never right. saw it again. <laughs> My point being, Nebraska, yes, is still a significant underdog in this game, but there's a really high chance that this is going to be a closer game than that one was. At least early on. I, I expect this to be, you know, if you're a gambling type, like if you can get a first quarter line, if even a first half, I would go under. I mean, I oh, yeah. like these are two dogs that are just going to circle each other for a while. Um, um, now, that, here, here's re- real yeah. quick. One of the reasons that I don't think you're hearing the big, hey, underdog opportunity sitting in front of everyone, because what typically do you have when you have that? You have electric playmakers on offense. And Nebraska doesn't have that, so it becomes, well, can the defense keep them in and then something weird happen? But you don't feel like that's something that can happen. I know we've seen that Jeff Sims can run the ball a little bit, but he's turnover prone, and we don't know where he's at health-wise. Not, he's not 100% from the, the latest reports. And Heinrich Harburg hasn't done – he's taken care of the ball, and he's run really well, but he also hasn't done anything that says, man, this, this guy is going to light everyone up. Yeah. 
if you don't have that electric, like not just one, but a couple of electric playmakers, especially at quarterback, you it takes away a little bit of that feeling when you have a daunting task sitting in front of you. That's true. That's true. Although, on the other hand, if Michigan's going to get upset by someone this year, it feels like it's going to be 13-12 to 12 when they do it, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that that's kind of how it looks, and... Listen, it's weird. Mike, I'm curious what you think about the matchup between the Nebraska defense and the Michigan offense. Um, and just kind of help, helping the listeners and me figure out what this Michigan offense is because there's this at least kind of perception, pro-style, power-running team, yet they've got, I mean, they've got NFL guys at every skill position, basically, on this offense. What do you think the matchup is like between not only stylistically but the quality of this Michigan offense, who hasn't been putting up 60 points, they've been putting up 30 points, and as you said, been playing with their food to start a lot of these games? Yeah, I mean, I I think the the style, basically, they're going to come at Nebraska uh, as direct as anybody has this year, aside from maybe Minnesota, and Nebraska took that away from Minnesota so early that they just went to the quick passing game, and so I'm going to be fascinated... You know, Blake Corum isn't effective early in this game. How quickly do they put the game in J.J. McCarthy's hands? Because the fastest route to Nebraska winning this game is the rare, but it does happen, J.J. McCarthy blow-up game. I mean, he's had, he against Bowling Green was terrible to start this year. They won because it's Bowling Green. It wasn't really ever in doubt, but he wasn't very good. He was atrocious against TCU last year. Uh, a three-three-five defense in which he really struggled with the coverages and the sort of where does the pressure come from and that kind of thing. He had a horrific fumble in addition to, I think, a pick six and, and everything else. So what you're hoping to do is to take this out of Blake Corum's hands and put it in J.J. McCarthy's hands. Now, that's not exactly a guaranteed recipe for success. I see you have the stats pulled open. J.J. McCarthy has like a 79% yeah. completion percentage. Super efficient. Um, you know, he yeah. does have a couple interceptions, but it's not like he's it's not like he's bad. This is a guy that I've seen mocked by some analysts as a first-round pick. I wouldn't want him as my NFL quarterback. I, I wouldn't touch him at all. But <laughs> guess who the Vikings are getting next yeah, year? Yeah, trust me, I've seen that. I've seen that, and I'm like, all right, I don't want that. Let's, let's find something else here. But, um, you know... He's a guy that I think if you're going to win this game, you need it to be he has to be a playmaker, and then you put the pressure on him to go and do it. Because if he gets to be a distributor, he can do that really well. Yeah. If he gets to be the guy that gets to play behind Blake Corum and the offensive line, and he can run around and do some things on third down, that's where I think he's most dangerous. That's going to be a problem. Yeah. You have to make it to where he has to be the guy that beats you. If that's what happens and they win, you tip your cap, but you got it to go how you want it to. If you don't get it to that point, you're going to be on your heels the whole game, and the chances of you turning them over or setting your offense up for something goes down considerably. Interesting. I mean, and I mean, Caleb, to what Mike says, I mean, if Michigan goes and watches the tape of Nebraska's defense, I mean, if they if they have shown a weakness, it's been in some of those pass coverages. There have just been open receivers. They've kind of tried to keep everything in front of them uh, at that point. So. You know, I don't know, maybe Michigan, it, it depends how confident Michigan is in that running game, that that running game can take on what is the nation's top, top one, top two mm-hmm. rushing defense and just say, hey, we're committed, even though that we know that they've been good this year, we think we've got the horses 
to even if it takes a little while to wear him down to what Mike was saying. Yeah, and Nebraska is going to because of Blake Corum, they're going to put an extra emphasis like they already have this year, take away the opponent's run game, make them distribute, make them pass the ball around. I I've said this multiple times over the first few games for Nebraska. The best place opponents want to be is third and long. Because Nebraska's third down defense, they just sit back so far and leave so much cushion that if they can get that ball to somebody, that they're they're able to make a play or the, the zone coverage is just left just enough that they'll hit somebody on the sideline. I don't see Michigan quite in that same way with their third down because they want to leave lean so heavily on quorum and then a play action. And they want to move some stuff around. So I think if you can take away that run game, that sets Nebraska up better on third down. Now here's the thing for Nebraska's defense. And, and I know Matt Rule talks a lot about win third down, get off the field. Nebraska needs to win a lot of second downs. Make it so that they're not just picking up that first down in two to where that third down there's a little bit more pressure. They have to get it on third down I don't I I think we've all said it in here. We're not trusting JJ McCarthy on a on a grand scale, especially not in not in the NFL, but can you make him consistently have to be that guy for four quarters right now that he hasn't had to be so far this year? Yeah. Yeah. Um and then thoughts on the other side of the ball. Uh Mike, uh, it, uh, we quarterback situation is what the quarterback situation has been for a while. Uh, it kind of sounds like Harburg is the one we know I, is I think healthy. It's be Harburg. We know he's healthy, although there seems to be sort of an inkling that perhaps they both have a chance to play in some way, but it sounds like it's going to be Harburg. sounds like you think that as well. Obviously, the way that I think a lot of people think you go into this game is um, right. try and play a field position game to the best that you can. <laughs> Hopefully pop something. I I feel like there's going to be a trick play, at least one trick play at some point that's going to hope to gash them. But what exact, how exactly do you think Nebraska's offense goes in strategy-wise into this game with this matchup and knowing what they've got in terms of personnel right now? Yeah, I think they have to approach it where you know early on you just try to do what you try to do and you see what opens up. If nothing does, then you kind of get into the bag of tricks, right? Like I don't know that you need to reach in there right away because the, the worst thing you can do in this game is is to remove your defense from it right away. So what you need out of your offense in the first three drives of the game, roughly to get you through the first quarter into the second, is just competency and ball control. If you can sustain a couple drives where, you know, even if you're getting two first downs, staying on the field to allow your defense some breather and then not putting the ball in harm's way because you don't want to set anything up early in the game because this is the sort of game where you can get snowballed. And if you can hang around you're going to have a lot more confidence. That defense is going to play with a lot more confidence. That offense is going to feel more confident. And then maybe in the second quarter, you try something or you try to, you know, do. and that's if, if it hasn't worked. I mean, here's the thing of it. We don't know for sure what Michigan is because they played that's the true. crappiest schedule that's in the true. country. Bill <laughs> yeah. Snyder looked at their schedule and thought, these guys really could challenge themselves. <laughs> I mean, their best win is Rutgers, and Rutgers has looked solid this year, and they were in that game 17-7 until a pick six. Right. Basically flipped it the other way. So I, I would hesitate to give Michigan too much credit, and yet at the same time, I think you're going to see something relatively similar to the Minnesota game where the clock is going to run constantly. Both teams are going to keep, uh, you know, try to sustain drives for a little bit. Uh, you're going to see some field position battles. You might see a fourth and short where you opt to punt it because you just don't want to give up 25 yards in field position that way. Uh, things of that nature. And so I, I think the longer this game goes, 
the better chance Nebraska has of of hanging around and something can pop, something can happen. They're at home. Um, the the biggest thing to me is just get out of the first quarter relatively unscathed, and I think they can be okay. But that the first fifteen minutes of this game feels like it's the danger zone. And you can't, you just can't. And Harburg really hasn't, at least on you know. There's been one turnover, but he, turnovers haven't been an issue right now. And I've I've kind of been saying, hey, once you find a quarterback that isn't going to turn the ball over, that's going to be your guy here for a while. Well, and he's also got the explosive plays that Jeff Sims has brought too. I mean, yes. they've, they've roughly, you know, yeah. it's roughly been the same quarterback. Right. As the first two games minus the turnover. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And they've worked in kind of a new wrinkle into the offense. They tried it a little bit with Sims against Minnesota, Caleb, but sounds like they've got Ron Brown like digging deep into the vaults of his memory <laughs> uh, the, with the option and the old off-tackle pitch and all of these plays as well. How big of a wrinkle do you think that is that makes this offense feel a little bit different than it might have without it? Well, the the fact that they they're not going to light up the scoreboard throwing the football, you have to get creative on on offense with what you're doing running the ball. And since you've added in a lot more of the option game, it makes a lot of sense to lean on Ron Brown a little bit and say, "Hey, what are some of the old favorites that that you can bring to the table with this offense?" So with with him being able to add a little bit there, you're getting thin and thin and thinner at running back, and your quarterbacks are getting banged up. So you got to get creative, and I think that's something nice for this offense because until they have a quarterback show that he can throw 70% in a game sometime, because both these quarterbacks are, I think they're both sitting under 60% for for their season averages, which is not great considering they also haven't had a whole lot of complicated throws that they've been dialing up. They've mm-hmm. just missed guys for the most part. So, yeah, since, since you can't pass the ball really with either quarterback right now or they're just missing guys or they have no time to throw to let some of those pass plays develop, it's nice to be able to lean on some of that and, and, and plug that in there because when coaching staffs are looking at a new staff and with this offensive coordinator, they're going to look at a, what are the old things that – Rule has tried to do with his offenses. What are the things that Satterfield has tried to do with his offenses? Well, now you got to start looking at, well, what has Ron Brown ever been a part of? What are some things that he might bring to the table? That makes it a little bit more complicated in your game prep. Yeah, yeah. Thoughts on that? I don't know. The return of the... It, I don't know how... It was really working against Louisiana Tech, and they barely had to use the complexity of it, because yeah. Harburg had lanes every well, single he, time. he also probably needs to pitch it a couple more times. Yeah, well, I mean... It's he hasn't pitched it yet, I believe, the, yeah, the, I, the tracker on the message board. There's been no pitch on the option. I thought yeah. I thought I remembered him pitching it once. Right, but but, but, I mean, but still, it's, it's hard to blame him a lot because for about half of those, he went for at least forty yards when well, he didn't pitch it. I mean the 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 one they called back, like the, he should have had over two hundred yards on Saturday. Yeah. That did not feel in the nature of what holding is. Apparently, in twenty twenty three, it right. only happens on the outside when you're right. scoring a touchdown. Yeah, that's what I, I don't never understand. somehow on a pass play. That's right. what I haven't understood about this that's year. That's a great, great. I don't understand why defenses because you. When you want to get pressure on the quarterback, it's always, hey, hit the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Just just bump him, get him to the ground. If a team is going to run the option, how have they not just drilled into guys, right. hit the quarterback? Someone's going to get pitch man. We're going to get burned on some things. Hit the they were, quarterback. Louisiana Tech was not ready for that. I mean, yeah. it was quite obvious well, they weren't ready for that. You know, before it gets too far down the road, it's worth pointing out North Texas ran for like 7,000 yards against Fair Louisiana enough. Tech. Fair so enough, yeah. It's not like this was exactly the... Well, 
That's true. The the defense that's going to get you prepared for what's coming in this week. That's true. And the, and more generally, in the second half when Nebraska started, you know, I thought Nebraska, listen to me being run the ball guy, but in the first half, Nebraska tried to be, they let tried to open it up a little bit, throw a little bit. Third quarter, they basically said, all right, we're going to Anthony Grant. I formation. We're going to Anthony I, Grant. And the offensive line looked as good as it had all year, I thought, in run blocking during yeah. the third quarter. You know what's interesting is the last two games, it's really kind of felt like they've used the first half to try to work on some stuff, and then the second half, they're like, here's what we're good at. Yeah. You stop it. That's how it felt <laughs> to me, too. I honestly sort of appreciate that because it's this can't be – if this team is going to have the aspirations of winning six games and go to a bowl game – they're eventually going to need to have other things on offense besides the quarterback run game. Yes. yes. And so I think the evolution of the offense and the more you can get the tight ends involved and trying to find another receiver besides Billy Kemp that can help you. And Marcus Washington had a really brutal drop on Saturday. Like he's, he's going to get three opportunities a game, right? Like he needs to come through in all of those situations. Yeah, he's been really quiet. And, and it's just, yeah. And, and it's also one of those things where you can tell. The chemistry between Marcus Washington and Jeff Sims probably better than it is between yeah. Harburg and, and Washington in terms of, you know, knowing where he is on the field, when to get the ball there, how to throw the ball to him, that kind of thing. That all matters. Um, so all of that to say, I have appreciated in these first couple of halves that they've attempted to work on things after coming out of the Colorado game. I don't think you can do that against Michigan. No. I, I mean, I think you got to do whatever you can to, like I said, sustain drives, stay on the field, give yourself an opportunity, set up your defense for success, let your game play through the defense. I mean, that's that's kind of the hard part about Nebraska football right now is that really hasn't been true for, I don't know, when when's the last, like, it, Bo, 2009, yeah. 2000, yeah. but even Not, by 2010, Riley. I mean, even yeah. by 2010, you had Taylor Martinez sort of just taking over. Right. Um, so it, it's almost like that 2009 season is the last time you truly had a, yeah, we got to play through our defense here yeah. type year. The rest of it, I mean, from 2010 to 2014, Nebraska had a pretty explosive offense. 2015, 2016, Tommy Armstrong was solid. And then after that, you kind of get this backsliding into where we are right now. Yes. But, um, you, this is really the first year that I can think of where you have a defense that's good enough and an offense that's that abhorrent, where you really kind of, in these games, you need to do everything you can to set the defense up to be successful. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to not turn the ball yep. over. Yes, so ju- Just have people out there who aren't going to turn the ball over, like you were saying, Mike, get a couple of first downs, play some field position, hopefully set yourself up to, to where you can get a special teams break, the defense can force a turnover. Gosh, wouldn't that be great? My goodness. If the defense yeah. could force a turnover that's Especially not, early in the game. Early. Yeah, yeah. A, a turnover that's not just garbage time. Yeah. Not just, oh, well, got got, so the, got a token takeaway. How many takeaways do they have? So they got the two, one each in the last two games, correct? Two picks. They have one every two game. Games. I think. Um, Colorado, they got a late fumble. The late fumble. And then, and then Omar Minnesota, Brown. they had Omar Brown. So yeah. you're right, exactly one a game. Yeah. And really, the Omar Brown one is like the one that's the most. That was a big one at the time. The most yeah. like in the flow of the game. This truly matters to what's going mm-hmm. on. Yeah, the rest. The of other it. three were all sort of fourth quarter. Like, okay, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's about what, time. What, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, and I think we all agree. Like the formula is is going to be get get a big special teams or get a big defensive play. Yeah, and don't let them do that. What if they blocked That's a it. punt? Yeah, it, whatever it is, a return, return to kick, return a block. Get if 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 Nebraska gets. That big one, or gee, many Christmas, two defensive or special teams plays, and Michigan doesn't, 
then that's the form. That's not all you have to do, but that's the formula in this game. And now Michigan has to stay home if Nebraska lines up on a field goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's if true. they line up on a field, hey guys, we still got to stay home. <laughs> By the way, if, why why did they use that there? And I guess it was zero zero in the second quarter. So you're starting to get a little bit worried about what could happen. Um, and it was there. Man, Bleakrow just about had it. If he could have just that would have been great for him to score a touchdown. It it's kind of funny that like he's not your primary holder, and then he comes in for that, and no one really notices because it's like, I didn't who, know who really is paying attention to who's in holding a snap right. on a Well, sometimes goal. a single-digit person, a quarterback, somebody who looks like a quarterback yeah. comes in, and you're like, ah, this looks different, but it's another kicker. You know? well, and then the, the novelty of the whole thing is that Nebraska's only attempted like three field goals. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, it's Alvano's not like you like, have this great wealth of like, oh, yeah, it's always been this guy. Right, Alvano's like, like, come on, I need some, I need some right. practice here before the big games, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. That's what we're thinking initially. Got a lot more where that came from. You've got it tuned to the Friday Husker tailgate. Upset-minded edition here. In the ca- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to will this attitude on this fan base. If I have to, you guys, it's going to take all three hours, but we're going to walk away upset-minded today. At 629, you'll stay LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIF. But first... Fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, time for Fantasy Huskers. Pick number nine. We are asking you to pick, if you get a pick, how many first downs Nebraska gets against Michigan. To get a pick, you got to text us the keyword. Every time we put out a pick, people are competing for it. And you might get it. It's based on just random numbers. But you got to text in the keyword first to get it. So our keyword for pick number nine is... Harbaugh. Ooh. Capital H. Yeah, you could just do whatever H, H you want. A-R- in the spelling bee, you could miss because of that. Capital H-A-R-B-A-U-G-H. Harbaugh. Harbaugh. Uh, that's the uh, that's keyword text it in. You don't have to capitalize it. Text it in right now. We're going to pick one of the people who text in for the pick number nine. And uh, first down, uh, we're running out of options, though, for what to pick with how many first downs Nebraska is yeah, going folks to get have, uh, Folks have really bunched it up a little bit. You've got every pick from 8 to 16 except for 13 for the number of first uh, downs. Yeah. You know, if I take my own advice, for my first my first thought was just grab that 13. 
But I should take my own advice. 7 or 17. Play the extremes on this game. Forget 7 or 17. 5 or 25 is what I'm going here oh, with this geez. thing. Just You're not saying. just going to take the edge and then everything over that? Well, yeah, but there's still one more pick where somebody could go on top of you. So that way, that gives some room where they would really have to go out there. Do whatever you want with your pick. You don't need to listen to me. It's your potential pizza and Husker sweatshirt or whatever. All so. right. So just... Just because, you know, how do you do this without looking things up? UNLV, which put up a grand total of seven points against Michigan, had 15 first downs. There you go. 25. So if we we move this forward, we keep an eye on what Michigan did against, let's say, well, the uh, the game that we just talked about. Bowling Green, Bowling Green. Green. Bowling Green. How many first downs do we think Michigan allowed then? Probably they had six points, so I don't know, about... 13, 14, 10. Ah. Okay. Three more. No, excuse me. One less point, five less first down. Okay. Rutgers? Uh, I'll say another. I'll say 13 again. 31 to 7 in that one. Yeah. Very consistent scores in these games. <laughs> I mean, all Michigan scores have been almost the same thing. 10. Ten. Okay. All right. So this is uh, this is quite fascinating. I, I will, you know. I'll be keeping an eye on this. All right. while we're he'll up be, in the, he'll the be watching that with. Uh, there might be more of these, and there are points for a while. That, yeah, it it may it may very well be. Uh, all right, what are we here this week? It's time for the Friday Husker tailgate sound off and video off. If you're watching on the Facebook page, Caleb. Uh, what do we got this week? Now you know we got to start out with the latest from Matt Rule on the quarterbacks. Yeah, but both guys have practiced all week. You know, I think you know Jeff's. I wouldn't say Jeff's 100. percent You know, he's he's he looks good, but he's. In terms of movement, slide within the pocket, um, you know, Heinrich, you know, um, has looked good. You know, how much can he completely open up and all those things? I don't know, think we'll know until game time, but I haven't, there's been no restrictions on him. So, um, you know, they're, they're both trying to get ready to practice tomorrow, and uh, we'll be ready to probably use either one of them or both of them and um, as needed. All right. So there you have it. Uh, it's been the same thing for a long time with these two guys, two weeks, basically, where Sims isn't quite a hundred percent. Harburg now, even though he got banged up a little bit last week, sounds like he is a hundred percent. And as Mike said, probably most importantly in this whole thing, as Mike said, Harburg's had two opportunities. Uh, and while he hasn't been perfect, he's made the plays that Sims has also made, but he's done it without turnovers. Now, somebody who's a Sims advocate is going to point out the level of competition sure. in those games, which is true. Um, and but the coaching staff has even said that. They're they're effectively the same guy. Yeah. So, so so if you look at that and yeah, it's the 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 level of competition and yeah, there have been a few that I think Harburg has thrown that should have been picked off. They haven't been right. There, there's a little bit of luck that you you can feel with some guys, and right now that that luck is sitting with Heinrich Harburg. You know, some of that though, like you hear people say that with the interceptions, there's also been some passes he's thrown that should have been caught. Oh, that's same for both quarterbacks. That's for both yeah. quarterbacks. Yeah, there've been a lot of drops this um, year. So yeah. in in some ways, like when I do hear that, it's like okay, well then if you go on the other side of it, mm-hmm. if these three guys actually caught six passes between the last two weeks, those passing numbers look a lot better. For there sure. might be another touchdown. Yeah, that, that's that's definitely a good point as well. Um, you know, it, it will be interesting. 
first of all, at what point is Sims going to get healthy? Because it was kind of odd. This this injury happened right against Colorado. So here's what I heard coming out of the Colorado game. Basically, early in that week, don't expect to see Jeff Sims against Northern Illinois or Louisiana Tech. So as they played it up that first week, I'm like, okay, it's gamesmanship, but it's going to be Heinrich Harburg. The second week, I bought into it like a dummy. Like, oh, okay, maybe they're they're trying to get Sims into this because he needs a game like yeah. this because you're about to hit conference play. And then he came in for that one play, and it did not look like he could move at all. Mm-hmm. And you hear Matt Rule kind of talk about it, and it makes me wonder if this is a high ankle sprain yeah, uh, or something of that nature that takes about four to five weeks. Um, it does not does not feel like to me that you would want to put an immobile guy no. in this game against Michigan. No. So I and honestly, I mean, right now it it's hard for me to imagine Harburg gives this job up unless something just completely mm-hmm. blows up here. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens on Saturday, I guess. Right. But uh, could he Yeah, that's an interesting question. But if he goes out and you play like let's say Nebraska loses 20 to 10, yeah, like they're in the okay. game. It's a reasonable game. Like they covered the spread, if that matters to some people. But they weren't really ever a threat to win. I don't know that you can look at that and be like, okay, well, we got to clearly go back to Jeff Sims. The, I think the only way you feel that way is if the turnover numbers go yeah. go way up. That where it is the quarterback mm-hmm. quarterback related turnovers essentially. Well, it, it's it, the only time you think about if it. If you get into this game and it becomes clear that. Michigan's just going to overpower Nebraska. And whether that is 20 to 10 or 31 to 6, 31 to 7, whatever their most likely score yep. they've had over the course of this year, as long as the offense isn't turning over the ball, you're kind of just trying to survive this yeah. week, right? I mean, ha- honestly, ha- you're, you're trying just, to get through this week to the next one. Yes, because you have a whole bunch of winnable games. Yeah. As Greg Sharp told Jack yesterday, October is going to make Nebraska season. Yeah, it feels like people were, were a little slow on this one but like you look at that schedule october is definitely the month (laughs) like that is that is where if it all comes together everyone's going to be feeling pretty good at the end of this month or that month and because of that if jeff sims is not a hundred percent you don't want him going out there except in an emergency and chava purdy doesn't have his helmet you got to get harburg out of there you don't want to burn a timeout because uh because his helmet popped off Okay, he goes out there, didn't look particularly fast, took a hit that you didn't want to see him take a hit, but you don't roll him out there to get beat up knowing that he might be needed over this next month for yeah. the potential to put your team into bowl eligibility. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, and I I still think there's a great chance well you know, at some point Sims is going to be involved in this offense again. I don't know how exactly or if he'll come off the bench or what it's going to look like or you know, you know, want just obviously you don't want to see Harburg get hurt, but that always could play into the whole thing. The one nice thing about this is it seems like when Nebraska's had quarterbacks they've had to go back and forth between in previous years. They've been a lot more contrast in style than these two are. It feels like Mike you can Kind of run basically the same offense. Now, people might say, well, the offense isn't whatever. It's not doing a whole lot. But you can kind of run, do the same thing. You don't have to change a ton yeah. stylistically between these two guys. I think that has as much to do with how they are as players as it does with what's on the actual team around them. Maybe. I mean, it doesn't matter if one guy's a better passer than the other if your receivers can't get open. Yeah, I mean, that's so true, it's, too. That's true, that's, too. I think that's a portion of it. Um, like, I think Jeff Sims... 
can be a talented passer. I but mean, they, I, okay, maybe I should say they both can. If quarterback yes. run game is going to be a part of well, it, which it is. That's what we've seen through four that. games. That's been your best play. Right. It's been your best option, you know, and so I, I think that's good. And that actually sort of speaks to why, I guess, it, to me, it doesn't matter which guy gets the start because I think you're both, you're going to need both to get through the rest of the season. And what you have to avoid is getting to the third, which, right. I mean, Chubba Purdy had his opportunity again on Saturday, and I, you know, I respect his ability to go out there and compete. I don't want to see it anymore. Yeah. It's just it was horrible last year. This there's a small sample size on Saturday. I don't know what happened to his career. I love he that he gets to go like, kneel on the ball at the end of games. Yeah. I lo- like great. Yeah. That's well, a good role to have. I, it <laughs> means you're winning. There's a there's a chance they could still need him this weekend. So hopefully he's you know uh, hopefully he's he's and able, honestly he's he still wasn't got something in the tank. He there. wasn't awful against Michigan in the first half a year ago. No, but you never felt like there's a single ounce of confidence that he's going to lead a scoring drive. That's, no, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Um, yeah, Caleb, real quick, back to Harburg, though. T- tell me about what you saw from, from Harburg. You talked a little bit about his speed and the type of athlete that he was, and it's, again, one of those deals where <laughs> he's running, and I'm like, he doesn't seem to be going that fast, but he's pulling away from everybody with Louis- on Louisiana Tech right now. He's quick. That's why he was like a stud guy on the track team, on a, on a state runner-up team. Where you he, don't think he looks fast? I'm, I don't know. What what makes you think he's not fast? I don't know. Say- no, from no, no, our no. angle up in the press box, though, like, no, you not- get that. So, separation. So let, let me rephrase that. Not that he's not fast. Not that he's not that fast to where he's just going to go outrun a bunch of I think of it's because he's kind of effortless in the way that he looks like he's running. Yeah. Right? Right. Long like, strider. Yeah. Long- well, his mom was a Division One track star. Right. And his dad came and played it. No, yeah, he was, he was fullback in Nebraska, but there's so much athleticism in that young man's body. If he finds a little bit of an opening, he's gone. Now, like we've said, he probably needs to pitch the ball a little bit more. And, and when it comes to throwing the ball, if the offensive line can hold up, and it did a couple of times, he's just missed a, a couple of times, okay? I didn't say consistently. I said a couple of times. That's you saw I it. I, that's why I left. They had like 24 dropbacks, and so a couple of times. A couple is- of times is a. One twelfth of the time, there's a clean pocket. I got you. Yeah, okay. So uh, 3% is what we're looking at. So when you look at... (laughs) You're the worst over there. Um, So when you look at what that passing game is missing, and it's, it's hitting guys for a deep ball... And there have been a few times where we've talked about the not getting separation for some of these wide receivers and pass catchers. Some of these guys did get open the last couple of games, and Harburg just didn't see them, Are, is what it looked well, like. Well, I was going to say, uh, you, I think you mentioned this once, I think it was the Northern Illinois game, but I asked both of you who are in the game watching it from the press uh, box, I'm watching on TV at home so far, I'll be in the stadium this weekend. Are there open guys running around that, that we're not seeing on these pass plays? Yes, but sometimes it's hard to say, um, and I'm sure Caleb thinks this too, because sometimes a guy is open because the quarterback has clearly turned his body off from that side of the field. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it allows the defense to slide with the quarterback. So someone looks really open, but it doesn't matter if they're not being looked at, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. So Yeah, it's um, not a consistent where it's like yeah. seven, eight times a game. No. There, there's one or two, again, a couple, where it looks like, man, he could have taken a shot there. In the red zone especially, it felt like there was two times where, I don't remember which player it was, 
It might have even been Anthony Grant coming out of the backfield mm-hmm. where you could just a quick dump off. Oh, I was hoping yeah, there should have been more dump there was, yeah. There was probably 10 to 15 yards in front of him a couple times where you just quick swing pass, you let Anthony Grant go to work there. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where I don't know if they trust him as much as a receiver as they do Ramir Johnson. I don't know. Whatever. He's wide open. Even Try Gabe it. Irvin, they don't. Right. As, as much right. like for Anthony I mean, Grant. Thing. Sometimes I think that's a little weird because it's like, okay, you throw me a ball while I'm running just a little bit. I think I can probably catch it. I mean, you know, they say this isn't a receiving running back. It's catching a ball. I mean, Anthony Grant can catch a ball. Anyway, what do we got next? <laughs> We're going to move to the other side of the ball. Rule talked about uh, his linebackers and how it's how it, well it's working for them on the, from the mindset of rotating a bunch of guys in. Um, well, I mean, I think uh, you know at, at, at the at the two inside linebacker positions, not counting necessarily the jack. You know, the jacks all kind of do a little something different, and so we're trying to utilize those guys based upon what we're doing. Um, the 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 other guys, you know, Javen kind of comes in on third down a lot to cover, and, and um, you know, they, they play hard, they're physical, they tackle. I think Nick's, Nick's got his feet underneath him right now. Um, we've played a lot of those guys because if we get in a situation like this where we're not sure if Luke is ready to go, we have other guys who have a lot of reps. You know, I, I just always feel like there's not, there's nothing worse than asking a guy to go in and play in the fourth quarter when he's been standing there all game. There's nothing worse than asking a guy to go start game six when he hasn't played. So we've played a lot of guys. Um, and when you face a team like this that's physical, that's going to run the ball right at you, um, you know, you better have guys that have, that have that have that are ready to go and other guys are ready to, to step in. So, um yeah, I think, the, I think the linebacker groups played well, and they have to play well again this Sunday, Saturday. There you go. Yeah, I mean, that was the first thing I thought of when you did hear that Henrich might be out. By the way, Henrich is going to play, um, updated. So, uh, Reimer. According, Hen, Reimer, goodness sake. Yeah, you had me thrown there. I was like, I did not read anything about also, Nick Henrich. Thank you for the breaking news this morning. Yeah, I was like, uh, I, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. By the way, I know you guys terrified me with your faces when I said that. And also, Henrich is going to play, so that was correct. Um, yeah, technically yeah, you nailed correct. that one. <laughs> The uninjured linebacker is set to play on but, but, but what? But what I was getting at, obviously I was thinking about my point, not about how I was setting it up, uh, was that when you heard that Reimer might be out, that you kept thinking, well, at, le- at very least you've got guys who have been played a ton of plays behind him in that linebacking core. And, yeah. and now he will play, but you, that's, you see kind of one of the reasons that maybe they, they do something like that. Did you see why he went out on Saturday? No, what was the play? So I missed it, and I never got to see a replay of it. Brunt saw as it happened, and he's like, oh, that's not good. And then he was fixated on this until like we were getting – Caleb sits up there. He could probably hear it. Brunt's just <laughs> like, yeah, he doesn't have his helmet. And then it was, yeah, he's in his street clothes. <laughs> so he was like on Reimer watch the whole afternoon. He was running commentary yeah. on it. Apparently, at some point, Nash Hutmaker turned around to run, uh, you know, following a play. And just absolutely truck-sticked Luke Reimer. Oh, no. Just completely. Friendly fire? Yeah. Oh, man. Decleated him, I guess. Oh, And put him down in a heap, and Bruns reacted to it. Uh, I imagine. um, uh, That's not a good reference. I'm going to move on with that. (laughs) So, Bruns reacted to it in in quite a way, and then he's explaining it to me and also BC, but BC's listening to the broadcast, so he hears about a third of whatever he's told me. (laughs) And then he'll quickly repeat conversations that have already occurred 10 minutes ago. It's great. Caleb Caleb gets a full uh, view of this every Saturday. The the press box is its own animal up there, especially when you get into a weather delay. So, we're to the right of Caleb? We're to the right of Caleb? We're... 
more yeah. of the quiet, you know, whatever's happening over here. <laughs> to the left of them is just pandemonium. It's, and all, of our NRG, underneath. it's all of our NRG folks from Omaha oh, okay. on the zone are all to my left. Okay. People were asking Matt McMasker to, to name uh, these different Huskers from history. <laughs> and, we started out easy, just asked him to name the three Heisman winners. That took him a little bit. <laughs> it sounds fun. It sounds fun. I'm too bad that I have excommunicated myself. My ex- excommunicated myself from the Mike Frazier. <laughs> Mike Frazier. <laughs> I didn't even say Joe Frazier. At least. <laughs> uh, all right, you got one more for us. Yeah, let's go one more. And Mike this Frazier. was a uh, Mikey uh, Frazier. <laughs> Uh, a big announcement yesterday morning before Matt Rule talked, uh, as I'm sure we'll talk a little bit on the, the stadium renovations yeah. a little bit later in the show. But I found this interesting when Trev Alberts was talking. Um, Aaron Sorensen from, I believe, Counter Reed is what she's doing now, uh, asked about their visits to Wisconsin, Notre Dame, and then Wrigley for inspiration on some of their ideas on the renovation. Yeah, so, you know, we... we strategically go to each place for a reason. So we went to Wisconsin because it had done an end zone project. And so they had some different types of seating. They had a deck. They had, so that was that. We went to Notre Dame on purpose to look at the academic integration. And uh, I'm just telling you, like, there's campus rec involved there. They have the School of Music there, I think anthropology. But there's cafes and Starbucks. I mean, when you walk in Notre Dame's football stadium in the middle of the day, there's, there's just whole kinds of students in there. I mean, it's almost like a student union. Um, so I'm not sure that ours will look exactly the same, but it's like, hey, you know, um, you have this incredible asset. Why, why aren't we rethinking it? And then the Cubs was more about how do you take an iconic brand that's tired, and I would say, you know, and, and rethink it and do it while you're still trying to play. Uh, and then, of course, the Cubs have done Wrigleyville. They've done things outside the stadium that have looked for additional revenue. Um, but they, they, you know, they have uh, had a very detailed approach to really looking at what the fans want. So they have certain fans that are – these are our die-hard baseball folks. Like they're going to come and they're doing, you know, taking all the – and then this is our fun group. They really don't care about baseball. They're just here to have a good time. Well, you have to, you have to meet your fans. And so I'm not suggesting we're going to go as far as all of them, but we've always found that by looking at what some others have done, we can see some trends. But – What's exciting to me is having the stadium activated more than just seven Saturdays of fall. I think it is, um, our state is really proud of our stadium. And so, you know, every fourth grader in the state of Nebraska tours Memorial Stadium. I never did. And to Not see their true, faces, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> I think we should expand on that. Uh, I think we should get more people involved. I think we should think about other unique inventory that can be a part of beyond, beyond football. And, uh, you know, we like Volleyball Day in Nebraska and like Garth Brooks and those types of things. So that's that's the thinking. Multi-use, multi-use facility, it sounds like. Yeah. Sounds like we're getting uh, concerts, other sports in there. We're getting a, a Starbucks. Starbucks. <laughs> we're getting a Starbucks in there. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that that's interesting. That's interesting to sort of hear that vision, just make it a more, you know, almost a a university building. But I, I like the the blunt honesty on take an iconic brand that's tired and how to revitalize it. Right. And when he says that, I think, by the way, he's referring to Memorial Stadium yes, as the yes, brand, not yes. necessarily. And obviously it, it helps if the football no, team I mean, is winning. It works either way. But, but, but yes, your, your stadium has, before we dive super deep into it, the stadium has had a lot of growth. Over its 100 years, 
but also it hasn't necessarily kept up with what a game day experience needs to be, what a stadium needs to provide for folks that show up besides, hey, here's a seat, there's the game. Right. Yeah, we can we can talk about that some more. Uh, we will in the morning drive. In fact, and maybe throughout the rest of of the show. But yeah, my uh, what I tweeted yesterday is I'm really going to miss the times when you're Memorial Stadium and you're eight feet away from an area you can visually see, but you have no idea how to get there. Oh, really? You weren't <laughs> diving into all the trough talk. <laughs> There's a lot. We can get into trough talk, too, if we need to. I'm, now that's a pot. I'm pro trough. I'm pro trough. 653. Take a break on the Friday Husker tailgate on KLIN. Welcome back to the Friday Husker tailgate. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 655, got a few minutes left here before we take a break. Uh, as we said, and get the player's name right, a uh, little bit of news, too, from this week. Luke Reimer uh, is going to be good to go. There sounded sounded like there was some kind of some doubt at the beginning of the week. Um, Caleb, Mike, any other injury news that we already talked, obviously, about the quarterback uh, position? I can't remember what was it. Cam Lenhart was still questionable? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. I mean, you'd, the, you'd like to have him there. I know there's a lot of talk about the pass rush. They did not really blitz or bring extra pressure against Louisiana Tech. It's part of why you didn't see a lot of uh, quarterback pressure. I think that will change against Michigan. Yeah, uh, and the Lenhart, did you guys see the video of the Lenhart, when the Lenhart thing, I guess it was a couple weeks ago now. No. I, but it looked like it. That looked like one of those. BC uh, said it looked like he basically avoided a season-ending injury. It, yeah, it looked like it was inches away from being one yeah, of those sort of painful ones to to watch. But I know... Um, I know it was uh, White said when I heard him that Lenhart was out there like surprising, like almost surprisingly, moving around in in a way that he didn't think. And then the other thing that we're going to get to, I guess, in um, in morning drive, a little bit more detail. But sounds like they're going to try and build a little bit more depth at running back by potentially using Joshua Fleeks back there, at least giving him some reps. Satterfield sounded excited about it. Um, He's I, a former running back. Well, if you look at Fleeks' numbers at Baylor. I think he had as many carries as he did receptions. Yeah, he was never a wide receiver. I panned this whole thing when he transferred here. I mean, it's it's a depth move. It gives him a third running back behind Emmett Johnson. I don't think Quentin Ives has shown that he's ready to play yet. I think that's a large portion of it. Do you, um, do you think Emmett Johnson, it, it didn't seem, I don't even remember him, Emmett Johnson had a couple of carries? Did he have some he carries? He was in the game. Genetic? I don't know if he had a carry. Yeah. Um, it, I Emmett Johnson maybe, had two carries. Okay. For six yards. Yeah, they weren't. I thought they might get him a little bit more work than they did. I think they were. Um, he was also the, targeted once. Yeah, I think they were hoping the game flow would be a little bit different than what it ended up. I mean, it, it started so slow and so choppy. Then you came back from the the weather break, which, frankly, it's unfortunate they couldn't have just ended it right there with the nine minutes left. Nobody needed the <laughs> the remaining nine minutes. I, I had I had. Bad thoughts about you know, some of these games that have been postponed for hours and and restarting at ten o'clock. But luckily, you, I was sitting done. up in the press yeah, box. Like, I, I was. I actually get home at nine o'clock at night. Yeah, right, yeah, here yeah. I I will be I will be honest about my thoughts when everyone came back from the weather. Was I wanted it to get weird because I saw a lot of people write their game recaps during the weather delay, and I did. Wow, not. that is very. As a member <laughs> of the media, that is oddly cruel. I thought it would have been guard. really fun. By the really way, fun. the uh, forecast tomorrow, whew, 
It's going to be weirdly hot for this time of year. I'll tell you what, I was at a high school football game last night, and it was weirdly hot. Yeah, uh, Sunny with a high near 92. South winds 13 to 16 miles an hour with gusts is up to 28 miles per hour. Maybe uh, impacting the passing game, the kicking game as well. And, yeah, right during the hottest time of the day, too. So it is not going to feel... Like pumpkin spice latte time of year whatsoever. Pumpkin spice and chili. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not quite gonna not quite gonna be <laughs> the mood that you're in that. at this game. All right, we're gonna grab a break right now. We will come back and it's helmet sticker time. I think we're gonna seem to see some diversity in our picks this week for helmet stickers. We'll see. It's six fifty eight on KLIN. Listen to the Friday Husker Tailgate every Friday this fall. Presented by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Volker left the wing to the near side. Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Grant. Picks his way to the left. Inside the 40, 35, 30. Quick to tackle. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium upside down right now. Three eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Gets hit dropped. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics. Who's showed out this week? We award helmet stickers next. Presented by Blur Events on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, helmet sticker standings. Nash Hutmaker leading the pack with number five. That helmet's getting crowded there for Nash. It's good, though, because he has that single-digit number. We can start putting him on his jersey (laughs) if we need to. He's got room. It's just the, the single... I don't know. We got to work on that single digit thing with the big guys. I just don't think that's working. But that you uh, and Mike Dawson, just yeah, that's just my opinion. Mike Dawson didn't like that either. Yeah, I asked him a question one time that had nothing to do with single digits, and he misheard it, and he thought I was asking about if he would allow his defensive players to have single digits. <laughs> and he's like, I view it as an affront to football. <laughs> and then he went on this long rant. <laughs> and Mike Dawson's very loud and gets very worked up. And then at the very end of it, I had to be like, well, Coach, that's great. But what I was asking was. <laughs> I just feel with as great as Hutmaker is playing right now, I feel like he. I want to see him doing that in 99 
and not like in 98 you, or I don't know. See, I, just, I, I like it now when it's a random number, when it's like if, if he was 72 and just wrecking people, <laughs> that would be funny. To th- that'd even be better, too. Uh, but that that's sort of a quasi-traditional defensive line number, but the zero. And here's the other problem is I cannot, I am still struggling with numbers on this team. We are we are into conference play, and I keep forgetting which one is right. Obviously, which one is Reimer? Which one was Henrich? Which one is Bullock? And which one is uh, uh, okay? Uh, two, who else? Two, yeah. So three, is three is Henrich. I know four is Reimer. Yes, five is Bullock. Very good. You got all the linebackers out of the way. I, I know, but in the six moment, six is in the. Six is uh, gonna get Newsom? a helmet sticker. Newsom? That's what six is. Quit there Newsom? we go. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, here's uh, the thing. You you talk about the the single digit number. Zero feels like it can be anyone on the field. Imagine if Hutmaker was number seven. If they if they let him get the single digit number for seven. I think did Nebraska have a defensive lineman that was uh, Demorio Williams used to wear seven. Okay. I he, qua- was five. he was a quasi. No, he was seven. Okay. He's a quasi defensive lineman at times. Yep. He lined up as a defensive end. He did not quite look like Nash Huntmaker. Him did. coming off the edge as the undersized defensive end that just abuses tackles. Y- Incredible yeah. in Big 12 play. Utah State 2003. He absolutely. It, Chris Cooley and company got completely wrecked by him. One of the most underrated defenders of all time, I would say. I like how you work in an important football. fantasy asset of yours. <laughs> yeah, it was a major part of one of my championships. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Hut, Hutmaker five, and then a tie at three between uh, Mystery Guy Bear with three, Cam Lenhart with three, Omar Brown with three, uh, two, Brian Buschini, uh, Javen Wright, Heinrich Harburg, and one, Nick Henrich, Quint Newsom, AJ Rollins, Phelan skipped Sanford. over Thomas Fedoni. Yeah. Oh, Fedoni. That, oh, God. Wow. Oh, jeez. Fully unintentional. What is with the I-80 Fedoni has two. Jeez, Fedoni cannot has wait two. to just shush All right, you. Borkercher has one. Let's move on. <laughs> um, no, I have two. And you know what? He can have another one for me if he wants. Uh, all right. right, let's. He was also part of my the only part of my team that's almost left here. He and Luke Reimer, who aren't injured at mm-hmm. this point. Josh's team has zero. Yeah, it's been rough. It's been rough. Okay, so. Let's uh, make picks this week. Uh, Caleb, you've been first, so I guess you're going to be first again. Well, we keep talking about him. Let's go Nash Hutmaker. He just, the, like, there wasn't all of the, the pressure into the backfield to force quarterback hurries, and there also wasn't the help by them getting really exotic with the defensive packages. But the fact that so many guys have to get committed to him allows this defense to to still put up stops and it's it's just another game where he looks impressive uh on that defensive line all right are you giving hutmaker one i am not okay do you have anything else to say then about uh, hutmaker i i I will i we were just talking a little bit during the break there were just a couple of times where hutmaker was just even if it wasn't a part of an offensive line where he just caved in that offensive line and i didn't give him one even though he deserved one uh just because he already has a ton so, and I want to spread it out a little bit among the team, but he definitely deserved one. I yeah, think, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where he's probably going to deserve one every week. It's just when he has the standout performances now, we're really going to notice it. And that, I mean, it's, that's a sign of a great player. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what, Mike, it is still, I, I'm, I, this is not diminishing what he had been prior, but in terms of development from one year to the next, I can't think of many players that I've seen do this, yeah. this dramatically as we have with him. I mean, 
maybe the be- maybe the best player on the team. Well, well leads with the helmet stickers at least. Right, and you think about it from the position that he plays, you need this because of how it sets up the rest of your defense. Yeah. And we talked about how they've since switching to the three four. They've had one exact nose tackle in that time that's been good, and that was Damian Daniels. Daniels yeah, and now you have a second, and it, it's notable in twenty twenty one. I mean. That defense was a huge part of everything for him. Uh, is that an offense? What's the offensive line like? Uh, like Michigan is that? I mean, obviously they're going to be better. Than they're seen they're not as good as they have been in the past, uh, yeah. especially in the interior. That's where they're maybe at their softest, and so that's why. I mean, if if Nash can sort of take apart the inside of that offensive line a little bit, and screw up their attempts to run the football, yeah, uh, and set up those linebackers early on. I mean, there's there is a recipe for Nebraska to make it uncomfortable for Michigan. All right, uh, Mike, your pick. I'm going to go with Quentin Newsom. He didn't have like a, an interception in this game. He didn't have you know this outstanding, I guess, play. What he did have, he showed the ability to come up in in uh, run defense. He had a tackle for a loss, three yard loss. They tried to pitch to the outside. Someone attempted to block him one on one. He's like, Nah, that's okay. <laughs> then he goes and blows up the running back. He had several other tackles around the line of scrimmage, which is notable for a defensive back because they were trying to get, uh, I believe, Smoke Harris. Yes. The ball. Twenty four seven sports hired a guy named Smoke, and so now I'm trying to be careful <laughs> to not have the wrong not smoke. Wrong when I'm talking yeah, about not, smoke. Don't want to have the wrong smoke. Right. Um, can change a lot. <laughs> and so I, I'm giving Newsom one in part because teams are staying away when they haven't yep. stayed away. He's made plays and or made tackles. He is, in my mind, Nebraska's maybe most bankable all Big Ten player aside from Nash Hunter yeah. right now. See, he, he's got good size, too. Is he going to be in the NFL? Uh, he's right? an NFL draft pick, yeah. Right. I, mean, I don't think he's Cam Taylor Britt in the second round, but I yeah. think he's a day three guy, almost guaranteed. Yeah. Um, all right. I am going to go. I may not be the only one who's doing this, but I'm giving Heinrich Harburg one um, just because we've talked. We've. Uh, you know, I've belly ached. I've talked about the offense not having playmakers, and Harburg, even though – Portions of it were called back for some uh, kind of ticky-tack wide receiver holding penalties. Uh, but Harburg became a big play threat with his legs, and Nebraska's got to have it. And Nebraska's got to have it. And he had great, you know, he ran those options really well, and we kind of joked about him not pitching. But most of the time that he didn't pitch, it was because he made the right read. And then just, boom, got going out there. I thought he ran it really well. Um, and like I said, you know, really good speed. I, I'm interested to see how he looks running the ball against better defenses. I don't know what to expect, but so far he's been everything. He's been more than I hoped he would be, I think, yeah. in terms of running the ball. I would say, yeah, he's been significantly above my expectations in running the ball. Got to got to get up there. You got to be able to pass. You got to be able to not turn it over. He's done that, too, for the most part. So for that reason, I will give Heinrich Harburg a helmet sticker, his second of the year. Well, Caleb? give give him a third. And a fourth. Yeah. Okay. Think about it. He took three sacks, and because in college they count those sacks against you, still ends up with 157 yards rushing the football on top of those ones that called back. I I know the, the, the running part for you is a little bit surprising. This is exactly what I expected from him. The passing has been a little bit less than what I expected. Like that to me, that's the big difference from now seeing him get a couple of games under his belt. That I was hoping the the passing would be a little bit better. But like Mike said earlier, and, and we've all seen, there are times that the quarterback, whoever it is, isn't getting the help from some of those guys catching the ball. Yeah, yeah. Mike, what do you have to add about Harburg? Oh uh, well, I just want to add this: Marcus Satterfield called him hyperventilating Harburg, basically. <laughs> yeah, so what, what was that? All that about? was a weird <laughs> quote. I don't know. I, it's weird for me to was imagine him not being in shape. Yeah. Um, 
because he he seems like he's in incredible shape, and we just watched that man run like. And how could you not be at this well, point? Well, so 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 here's here's some some background on that. Harburg actually talked about as well that he was talking with his mom because he grew up as a sprinter. It was the it was the one hundred. That's what he was doing. And so when he has to go and he runs for eighty yards, and they call it back, and he comes back, he's like. Well, my body, my whole life has trained for when you do that one thing, you get a break. Yeah. So, okay. so I don't. So I don't think it's right. not that he's in shape. It's more that just when he goes all out for a run like that, there's a little bit of the tank that starts to starts to be depleted. So he he wants to go that hard again, and he's not. His body just not designed that way. Yeah. He's, uh, he's got that one long burst in him. He also is very mindful of not of protecting the football. I noticed when he gets he, in the two open hands, field, he carries that thing like he's he's carrying a live grenade or a baby <laughs> up up by his and shoulder. He's still like, going like you're carrying a baby. There's like eight points of contact, and then he goes over <laughs> the goal line and he adds the the other the other arm too. Ron so. Brown would be thrilled. Yeah, well, maybe he was talking. This to isn't him. you know he used to have a driving school for how you carry the football, and he'd tell you it's not Sunday traffic. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is rush hour traffic. You got to be covered up you well, gotta be watching for you I mean, and everyone else I, I guess that was the one thing you said you gotta have a, with a quarterback whoever isn't fumbling the ball and and, and he didn't <laughs> uh so this is sort of just because of one play although i think he did have quite a few tackles in the game uh i've got deshaun singleton uh for this but he had what i thought was the most uh impressive individual defensive play of the game when nebraska was having some issues tackling in that game and it felt like it really changed the tone I think it was the third quarter, but I could be wrong on that. But you guys probably remember the play that I was talking to where he looked like he got shot out of a cannon. Came downhill and absolutely I mean, blew the guy absolutely. up. Absolutely. <laughs> and it became more impressive as I saw different angles of it. <laughs> I mean, he he flew in there, made a great tackle, and I think that's where I said, that's what I'm looking for today. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of defense that I am so glad to be seeing. I think he might have got burnt a little bit on that last post-rain delay touchdown yeah. for Louisiana Tech. But he was, I think, second in the team overall in tackles. He doesn't have one yet. He's had a solid season. He's stepped in this year. Good, good. Another guy, right, kind of maybe pushed into some duty that he may not have had had there not been injury, some injuries and departures. But I've been generally impressed with him. So it's kind of a one-play slash entire season helmet sticker for Singleton. So that is my second one, and that is his first of the year. A participation sticker. Yeah, good, I good say job. That. That, 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 good that's job, a Deshaun. Thing. <laughs> uh, my last one's going to Anthony Grant. 135 yards on the ground, 22 carries. Was not really sure why he was still getting carries after that weather delay, but he was still out there. He's going to be a guy that they've got to lean on, and he went out, and it wasn't just double-digit carries. 22. That, that That's going to be... Hopefully his body can hold up if, if that's something that they really need from him over the rest of the year. All right. Your thoughts, Mike? You're Here's what I want. Too, by the way. Mike's I, I'm giving so. Anthony Grant a helmet sticker. That's his first two of the year. I like seeing him bounce back the way that he has. You think about how the season has started for him, and now he's elevated into the role where he was last year, where he's kind of got to be this kind of guy who can make plays for you when you need him. Um, and he did it on Saturday. I mean, he, he had another touchdown run that was called back that was even more impressive than the one that he scored on. Uh, I thought that he showed good blend of power and burst and everything else, and he's going to be an important piece of this team, so you need him to stay healthy, and I would love to see him just kind of put it together and have a good game against Michigan. If he, if he goes out and he runs for even 80 yards against Michigan, I think that's going to be 
a success, and I think Nebraska's going to have to rely on him. I said this off the air to you guys, but he's kind of an enigma to me because there were times at the end of last year where you know he had had a lot of carries where it just kind of looked like he was just plowing into the line and not much was happening. You watch that Iowa game. Uh-huh. It's kind. Of, I mean, they ended up putting Ramir Johnson in because he was not real effective at that point. Yet, on the other hand, and you saw a little bit of this earlier last year, you saw a little bit of this on Saturday, is he's also got some of the best arsenal of moves that we've seen since, I think, Amir Abdullah at yeah. running back, going all the way back. Don't you? Am I overstating it with that? No, he, he's, he's super athletic. Just there were so many times last year that we didn't get to see it because he would either just, I'm going to go run into the pile, or would try to just get super east-west. Like, he can make defenders look silly in some yeah, circumstances. Like, give him a average offensive line, and I think you're talking about a significantly better stat line he had, for him overall. Uh, and, and, and I, I mean, I, he needs that, and Louisiana Tech is Louisiana Tech, but the third quarter, again, I saw some of the biggest running holes that I saw this year, yeah. too, for, for him, and I think that's, that a lot, that's I exactly think Nebraska's what you need. line this year has opened up far more holes to run through for running backs and for their quarterback than they did all of last year. Yeah. So it's more of the pass protection that I, I think I'm mostly concerned with with the line. Yeah, I agree. Uh, very much agree on that. All right, my last one, and I've got to completely. I got to do this thing here where I uh, see the name exactly. Ah, uh, yeah, Lyndon Meyer. Lyndon Meyer. Nice. Uh, do you know his first name? Luke. Yeah. Look at you, Kyle. Luke. Uh, Victory. Sounded like, sounded like, I know he's. Uh, I think he's a uh, Papillion La Vista. Uh, yeah. Papillion La Vista. They just picked up a commitment from another tight end from it, Papillion La Vista. I, I, I'm out there and I'm like, okay, who is 44? Who is 44? <laughs> and he's in there a bunch, and I'm like, this is a tight end I don't know of. And then I eventually see, oh, they've got him in there because he's a good blocker. And you watch some of those option plays. You watch a couple of times when they got in the red zone. Um, and there's probably some offensive linemen who are going to hear this and be mad, and they're going to say, Jack, you don't give us helmet stickers for the same kind of blocking regularly on the run game that Lyndon Meyer did. That may be fair. But, you know, for a guy to sort of appear out of nowhere into this offense, or hadn't been there much at least, and then to go in there and to close off that edge so many times on that tackle side of the play, whether it was the option, whether it was one of Grant's touchdowns as well, I, I went back and watched some of them. I was trying to say, hey, why did these things work so well? A lot of times I kept going back and focusing on him, and then hearing uh, hearing the coaches talk about him too, you could tell that that was something. It's kind of back the old school, like uh, uh, Matt Shaw, William Washington type tight end for Nebraska football where not getting a ton of receptions, not really out there to get a ton of receptions. Uh, but yeah, I don't know either of those names. So how far back are you going? That there? was uh, Matt Shaw was the mid mid uh, ninety three was his senior year. William okay. Washington so probably ninety just before ninety two was probably his senior. So year. So just before kind of my awakening of knowing yes. Nebraska. Yeah, I mean it could probably was somebody I could have thought of more recent, but my mind is still stuck in the nineties. It would have been helpful. Yeah, uh, Ben <laughs> Cotton. He still was. Yeah, they passes, threw it to him. Though, yeah. They threw it to him. We'll have to think about that. All right, it's 723. We'll take a break. We're going to count down the five things you're going to be talking about this Husker weekend with a morning drive. Brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. That's coming up next on KLIN. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Saver traffic. Five topics to get you going for game day. It's a special Friday edition of the Morning Drive on the Friday Husker Tailgate. All right, 727, it's LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Well, it's time for the morning drive, brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and the Wealth Management. We do this every day on the show, but on Husker Tailgate Fridays, we talk about the five things you're going to be talking about on the game day weekend. So, without any further ado, let's get into it. We've got a lot of things on here, starting with number five. Yesterday, Trev Alberts in the university announced details about the upcoming Stadium expansion, which, by the way, still needs Board of Regents uh, approval yes. next week. He made sure to mention that multiple times. We all knew this was coming, but did any of the details announced yesterday surprise you? I, For me, I mean, I knew that probably tearing down and rebuilding the South Stadium was something that would be considered, but to actually just understand the scope of actually doing that and the time that it will take to do that and the impactfulness of doing that, um, it still is a little bit. It's still a little bit shocking to me that they're going to be able to pull that off and still play a couple of seasons of football there as well. So that was probably the biggest immediate reaction I had to things. What about you guys? Yeah, I mean i I didn't know what to expect in terms of the renovation project. You know, this has been a thing that's been discussed for more than a decade. At one time, they were talking about putting a hotel in South Stadium, interesting, uh, and you know, having balconies that the guests could look out onto the the football field. You know, those eight hundred dollar a night Not or a thousand dollar a night. Yeah, people people like us aren't going to stay there. Yeah. But um, you know, that was that was an idea at one time. So I didn't know where this was going to go exactly. I find myself fascinated by this sort of. Uh, halfway nature of some of this like the whole stadium needs to be renovated and they can't do that because they built you know he was talking about in the clip that Caleb played earlier this morning they're talking about Notre Dame how they have all this stuff built in their stadium Nebraska already has that they have a computer center in the south side of the stadium that they're gonna have to move someone donated all of that money and donated that space and all of it so they have to move that they've got offices in North Stadium so you can't really do construction there to so that's gonna be the affordable section all of this is interesting to me, but as I tweeted on Saturday, I'd much rather have a discussion about how they can make the game day experience enjoyable for people and feel less like it's the exact same thing every single week hmm. uh, because that's what it is. It's not good. It really is. Hmm. Interesting. Caleb, your thoughts on either what Mike said or, or your own thoughts? Oh, I, that I, on I completely stadium. agree on the on the game day experience, which I think is... Oh, a graduate from 1963 you've never heard of is receiving an award during this media timeout. Stand up and clap! Um, I do think some of that, not necessarily who all gets honored or recognized in front of the fans, but I think some of that they're trying to tackle with the South Stadium renovation, where they move the student section, how they how they integrate some of the things over there. What they do with premium seating 
that that part was was really intriguing to me on the not just the suites and everything that you tend to have up top but what kind of seating they want closer to the field and th those types of things now they they have not nailed down exactly what any of that looks like i'm also really intrigued by the 360 degree concourse which looked like it would have been level three all the way around there and then the 270 which would just go um would go east or east stadium to south to west stadium so it wouldn't touch north at all around i think level five but having those concourses go all the way around and, and being able to fill in that bowl i think even though you're you're dropping max capacity by about ten thousand seats it's going to make it louder because it's actually filled in if you're able to do some of that. So I think the, the renderings, everything was super interesting. Now it, it's whether or not you're going to miss two seasons of South Stadium. What is that going to look like in 2025 when you're you're missing a quarter of the of the of the available attendance, available stadium on that side? It's going to look pretty bad, but ultimately I think this is something that the, the stadium needed. I think honestly they need to have gone through and found a way to redo all of the stadium, but it's just not, that's not a possibility with the way they have the foundation, how much they've put into it in that space. So I think right for right now, until anything gets finished, this is a really good start. As, um, you know, I've, uh, the only time I was actually a season ticket holder was when I was a student, but I have gone to, I've never counted it up, but I've gone to tons of games all the way back since 1986 as a fan. Um, and, and I think now, when I have when I have a chance to get tickets or consider getting tickets, I think there are some really small things that make me sometimes think twice about it. And I think these are the first things that should be considered, and it sounds like they're going to be, that should be considered in doing this. And number one is the first thing I get in my mind when I think about sitting in the stands is, it is going to be so squished and tight and uncomfortable. That's the first thing that comes to my mind um, now when I think about going to a game. Um, if I've got a choice to sit in a section where I know that's less the case, I will always pick that over any other decision that I've got about going to the game. It's, it's not just horizontal, it's vertical too with legroom um, in, in that stadium. So that to me, uh, beyond anything else, beyond anything else is making the full experience going there better is just making it more comfortable in there. To and there's and supposed to be improvements to the other amenities, what they can do with concessions, with the restrooms, <laughs> get, getting in and out, ADA, ADA compliant. Yeah, and I like uh, the they do talk about concessions things, and that's I'm not saying don't do it. That does not make I do not think once about that if I decide if it's a good experience at the game or not. Maybe I think you do. would if you were there all the time. Like I know the people right now with the though. East Stadium. Uh, what they well, had just done, like the, they have two concession stands, they have two gates. That's, I agree with that. There's still issues with what they've done so far. I'm sorry, I'm not. I wasn't clear about that. I uh, I would be when it comes to the line and lines and the ability to do mm -hmm. that. I don't care about. Sometimes there's a lot of talk. If that's what it's oh, about, like it's what's the offering? What the offering? Oh yeah, what they have the thing. capability yeah, the, of yeah, doing. No, I, not about the offerings. It's about how quickly well, you can just feasibility. Get it I know and how much did, game you're going to miss. I know when they did the survey though, they got way into a lot of that yeah. stuff yeah. too. But when I did the survey, I said some really clear things. I said butt room <laughs> was by far the, the one biggest thing for me in, in the whole. And then parking is, is probably the other thing that I, that I personally think about when this is. And then number three, the other thing is, it's just, it, it, I referenced this earlier. It's sort of hard to get around in there, right? There are, like, you want to go from 
I've got somebody I want to go see over in South Stadium, and I'm in uh, East Stadium. It's, it seems like that should be that's, easy. That's it's not, not really going to change if you're in North Stadium, right? Like, you're just going to be Maybe not, though. Like, everything about this, if you're a season ticket holder in North Stadium, you kind of got the raw end of the deal on all of it. Although you don't have to miss any games <laughs> because st- your your seats aren't there for all Yeah, I guess there's that, but you effectively aren't going to get more yeah. butt room. Yeah, that's true. You know, your, true. your experience isn't really going to change at all. Yeah. You're sequestered from everything else. Yeah. Hey, um, their, their view looking south will change. <laughs> they might get a screen that they can look at. I guess their, the other their side. donation may change. Well, that's the other thing about North Stadium is you don't have a screen that you really can look yeah. at. Very no, well. I mean, the the people in North Stadium, I, I get it. They, you're making that your affordable section. It's yeah. the least, uh, you know, enjoyable experience. No. All this to say, I mean, they obviously need to do this. They need to keep updating this thing that for a variety of reasons. First of all, they just need to make sure the thing is, you know, infrastructurally sound <laughs> uh, as it continues to be an older and older building. And I'm sure this will help that process as well. Um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting. Everybody's got things that are really important to them and not nearly as much with the whole process. But, and and then the other thing is is ticket prices, too. That, that's the other thing. And Trev talked about that yesterday as well. Again, those are the things that I'm thinking about, but I know it's a little bit different for everybody. Number four. Last week, Nebraska jumped into the play-calling time machine even more using some old plays Ron Brown brought back to life for Rule and Satterfeld. How much do you think using the option looks, off-tackle pitches, and, and things like that to set up, make this up, and off-tackle pitches and things... To set up, make this offense at least a little harder to prepare for. Man, you should have wrote little, that cl- and a little bit clearly. easier than that sentence structure. Uh, how do you think using the option? <laughs> how does this make it a little bit more difficult to prepare for? D- d- Ron Brown helping out the offense with play calling and giving them some a little bit different looks. Yeah, even even nailing it down more. How much does involving that option game just make Nebraska a little bit more difficult to prepare it, for? I mean, it gives teams something to have to think about. I mean, you have to go and prepare for it, and since you don't see the option every week. And the, what we're talking about isn't the zone read option. We're we're talking about more of the true power option that we saw in the '90s around here. And so I, I think there's some of that, but there's also plays that derive off of that that they can set up and run too. Uh, some of the tosses, some of the other looks that they could give. I mean, I think that all options pretty much need to be on the table because you aren't good at one singular thing aside from the quarterback run game. Best part about it, the quarterback run game is the option, so you kind of have to lean into that. And I think part of the the big difference between Jeff Sims and Heinrich Harburg is they really started to go towards those types of plays when it was Harburg. That's not to say that I don't know it, like because I don't know if Jeff Sims can be super is super good at running those, but I know Harburg is, and I know if those are going to be plays and wrinkles that they want to throw in. Where is Jeff Sims' ability to run that type of play, not just to know his responsibility where he's at, make a pitch, but how well can he make the decision in that moment? I know Har- Harburg is, has used his athleticism to get around some of the decision-making that he hasn't pitched the ball, but at, at some point, those guys are going to have to be able to make those decisions. I'm curious what they're tr- what they're going to set up with this stuff. There's obviously got to be some things that they're holding back for you know a big game like this, for for conference season, or what do you build off of those uh, those option looks, right? 
you turn one of those into it? Do you have him pull back and do the old Jamal Lord thing where he steps back and there's no one within the zip code of Tracy Wistrom uh, when you try that? Or are there other things? Um, I don't know, but I, I feel like, guys, there's probably got to be some wrinkles, hopefully, that they're they're setting up along with getting this stuff that's on film. Because they really were. They really did get it on film for Michigan before this game. They could have held on to it and really gone with that against Michigan, but they put that on film. Well, there, there, I mean, like you said, there are a number of things that you can set up off of this. When you reverse pivot out to roll right, yeah, all you do is then, as soon as you take a couple hard steps and you get just past the tackle, you take a couple steps back. Right. It's just a one step, and you, if that guy's open, you hit it to him. Otherwise, you throw it away. There's also the ability that if you're not reverse pivoting, you take the snap and you're just immediately running, just running these plays to the right, for instance, and you're sprinting out there with that option, you can run a reverse coming back the other way. There are a lot of things you can build off of it, but the biggest thing is that defenses have to learn their responsibility, whether it's quarterback or pitch man. You're, you're, you're making the defense have to think. Yeah, there are things to build off of it, but the biggest thing with putting these in there is the defense not knowing on this play whose responsibility is what. You're also changing their, uh, you're forcing them to go to a side. You know, instead of being able to play up the field, their first step is almost always going to have to be left or right. And so that, that takes some of the advantage that they have with just brute strength, explosiveness. You're removing some of that because you're really good at getting through a line going straight up the field, but the play's going to the left, and you're going straight. See ya. You know, like, so, also, I have, as Caleb was talking about the option pass, basically, I have visions of Wilson Thomas just running wide open. (laughs) See, for me, it's Tracy Wistrom. It's it's both of those guys, but it's, like, specifically Wilson Thomas, I think, with, like, both Eric Crouch and with Jamal Lord. Yeah. Because no one expected those guys to ever throw it, that when they did... He would be so open, and these throws were not good. Like they were like catching a punt sometimes. Solich would run that same play. He'd run that same option look thirty times to set up that but one. That pass. one time, that one time just... he'd step back. You're like, oh, oh, yeah. And it's like just put it up in the air high enough I, that he can go get it like yeah. a punt anywhere. I had such an affinity for Wilson Thomas, whose entire play seemed to just be like decoy, 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 decoy. <laughs> hey, touchdown. There you go. Now, the, the other thing you can do, and this comes from experience that in, in high school we ran the veer, if you know you're running option on a play, you can go up, and it's just your cadence, but you can change exactly where that option is going, especially if they bring out any triple option looks. Mm-hmm. It's, okay, you can, you're either going right up the middle, you can go a little bit inside, but you're going a lot more off the guard, or are you going to go off the tackle? How far outside are you going with it? You can change all of those at the line, whether you're going left and right, those things all part of your normal cadence. If you just have the the play call that hey we're gonna it's a option to the right and you get up there and you see the the lineup and it's part of your cadence. We're still running option, but now it's to the left because we have a numbers advantage. Those are normal things you want to do in your in your play call or your your pre snap uh, cadence. But when you're doing the option, there are so many options that you have available to you with just immediately getting up and looking where the defense is lined up. The crazy thing is, I went back in time and I told Husker fandom in August, and I said, I'm going to tell you a select few things about the first four games of the year. I'm not going to tell you the record, but I'm going to tell you this. They're getting, they're getting, they're playing a fullback frequently. They're playing multiple tight ends frequently. Uh, They're running it a lot. They are using the running game a ton. They're getting plays from Ron Brown, (laughs) right? They're, uh, they're they're running the option. They're doing all of these things. They are up 
front defensively. That is the strength of their team. They've got a dominant nose tackle. They have led the league in sacks, or led the NCAA in sacks at one point during the course of the year. They're the top rushing defense in the year. You would be drooling. This fan base would be drooling everywhere. Well, I said, now, I left out a few facts when so wait, I did so, that. So we're 4-0 and ranked 15th in the country with Michigan would, coming to town? Not 15. only. 15, like, baby. Not only like would 11. you think that, but you would be happy with the way that it was happening, too. It's going by the script of what so many... This gets to what I said at the beginning. Is sometimes It feels like right now, I don't know why, this may be just my own subjective wrong perception of things. It just feels like the... The excitement level in the fan base is a little low, and it's kind of odd because, right, they're 2-2, two and two, but on the other hand, there are tons of people getting exactly what they have been saying they've wanted for so long about oh, this team. And, and exactly you, you what they out, wanted. The tight end has touchdown catches in three straight games. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, it's like a checklist <laughs> of how people have prescribed this program has to change, to be honest. And, oh, and it's their first year. And Yes, and... and and, uh, and honestly, yeah, you're right. And then there are also people, these people who, are, who have also said, uh, you know, you got to be lenient in the first year, right? You got you to realize five and seven is on the table and not freak out about that. And I don't know. It's It's been an interesting reaction here this year. But it is uh, credit. I think credit to the staff, the offensive staff. And you know, I think Satterfeld's got a lot of got a lot of guff, too, about this season. But, man, they've really been willing to play to what they can do and not – Force their own system, right? Six games. Not force their own whatever their own system yep. is on this team. We've seen that happen before, right? Yep. Uh-huh. All right, moving on. Was that four? That was four. Number three. This week we found out that because of lack of experience at the running back position due to injuries, transfer wide out Josh Fleeks is taking reps at running back. Do we think he has a shot to be the first person to truly give Anthony Grant a break given his experience there? I think he's third. I think he's. Third. I think Emmett Johnson will be ahead of him. He's kind of not your emergency running back, but he's someone that maybe they use that a, word could be a third down running back for you. Uh, he's got experience picking up blitzes. He's got experience playing running back. You might be trying to utilize that. You can get him out of the backfield as a ball catcher, that kind of thing. I don't know that I'm looking for him to get a lot of carries. I don't know that I'm looking for him to be a big part of anything. But it's just trying to utilize. Uh, you know his skill set and provide a little depth for you at running back because he's clearly not in the mix at all. At some point, when there's going to need what you know, even if Grant is the clear bell cow, there's going to be somebody who needs needs to be getting more carries. Than the, all right, tell tell me real quick about Emmett Johnson about what stylistically what. Yeah, I mean he's a, he's a dynamic athlete from Minneapolis that was terrific as both a. Uh, Carrier and a, and a pass catcher as a running back up there. I mean, I think he had more than like 2,500 total yards his senior year. I'm, he's either the max preps player for the state of Minnesota or the Gatorade player for the state of Minnesota. One okay. of those two. Either one. Pretty prestigious. Right. Uh, you know, being the best player in your state. And the guy that Ron Brown helped bring in. This is, this is a Ron Brown recruit. Like, Ron Brown, who seemingly has not had a full-time job at Nebraska as a coach since 2014, <laughs> right. has his fingerprints all over things in the last few years. Wow. Yeah. It, it's it's fascinating. Well, yeah, I think somebody, and, and you could be right, it could be Emma Johnson is, is the one, but you're going to see a lot more yeah. of somebody. you got to get somebody some else involved. Yeah. Number two. We all know what Michigan is going to be. Slow pace, power running game, efficient passing game with a defense full of NFL players. Is this still a game Nebraska wants to slow down even further and make into a defensive 
field position battle. I mean, I don't know that they've got another choice. It's a fair question because that's... I feel like that's Nebraska. They start playing tempo. (laughs) That's Nebraska's team, though. Well, I mean, like, remember when Nebraska was going to play Oklahoma last year, everyone kept saying, well, you got to ugly this thing up and slow it down, and they're going to want to move, move, move. Yeah, but then that first drive happened. Right. That's what you say against teams that play with a fast pace. Well, guess what? Michigan probably plays with a slower pace than Nebraska does. And so when you say you want to slow the game down... I mean, that's what Michigan's trying to do, too. So do you just stipulate to that before the Good. game? We just agree at this point? I don't know what they do specifically with, with Michigan style other than other than stop them and get turnovers. I mean, that's I don't know that it's even about tempo necessarily in, in this whole thing. It's about it's about getting stops and, you know, prevent this is this is a genius statement by me, preventing points from being scored. <laughs> but, but Nebraska's identi- I, I, identity yeah. is going to be how long can the offense hold on to the ball, whether or not they score, and give the defense a breather to go out and be be refreshed right. and dominant and keep them off the scoreboard. Yeah. You want to you want this game to be as few possessions as possible and th- so that that helps Nebraska stay in it. You want it to be a messy game where the offenses are just having trouble getting into the red zone, putting points up, and the defenses are having their way, and you hopefully get the Brian Buscini we've seen in three games and not what we saw in Boulder, and you you make it truly about field position. Get their offense off the field, try to pick up a couple first downs, punt the ball back. I agree. It's still what you want to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, isn't Nebraska going to try to out Michigan Michigan? Isn't that what they've been doing all year? Yeah. Didn't Matt Rule stand up and say that they want to become Michigan? Like, this is I don't know why they would run from what they're trying to do. I mean, you're you might be the dime store version of what Michigan is right now, but that this is what you're trying to be. Mm-hmm. These are the kind of teams that you're going to play in this conference. Maybe the better question then is is about how you play defense when Michigan is trying to do that. How you talked a little bit, Mike, that Nebraska was kind of vanilla in terms of blitzes in terms yeah. of Louisiana Tech. How much do you try and force the issue on defense because that affects obviously tempo and all of those those all, things too. It all comes back to how comfortable you are leaving your guys in coverage. I mean, they've been playing a lot of zones, so it's not like they're leaving straight man-to-man, but if you are reasonably comfortable uh, that you can send six and your five can match up against their five, basically, uh, then you you feel pretty good about that, yeah. I would imagine. So they're going to have to bring pressure on J.J. McCarthy. They're not going to just be able to sit back. And the thing is, they're probably also going to have to commit if you send five, you're going to need someone to keep an eye on McCarthy because he can run. Yeah. And one thing that we have seen, uh, Shador Sanders did it. Um, I don't know that Rocky Lombardi did, but uh, Jack Turner did it. Uh, Ethan Calcamanis did it. I mean, quarterbacks have been able to leak out and run on third down yeah. against Nebraska. He did. So that is a yeah. thing. When you get in third and long, it's not just the little gap that you give up as a defensive back. It's also you got to have someone who can get J.J. McCarthy to the ground before the sticks, too. The only other thing I'd add is they they have played this kind of, you know, even when they've really dropped back in coverage, teams have still found Colorado did it, Minnesota did it a little bit too, Louisiana Tech did it, is they found guys, I think it's usually when they're playing zone, but they end up finding guys who are open. A yeah. lot. There's still a lot of guys who are getting open. You referred to this, I think, last week. There, there's not a lot of pass breakups, right? No. You just, they're, they're, they're not getting their hands on the ball. In the somehow air. quarterbacks against this defense that has played solid and sometimes under pressure are still able to find. It feels like it's a bet on their ability to tackle. More than you would think. So they're, they're hoping they can keep you in front of the sticks, tackle you, 
you're gonna eventually get aggressive to go deep. It's gonna get batted away. You're gonna waste it down that. Like it. Yeah. They're playing percentages. That's you're what right. they're doing. It, it it's definitely not a, looks like that. It's not a super complex thing that they're attempting to do on defense. They're keeping stuff in front of them. They try to mix up a little bit the coverage and and the blitz and where the pressure is coming from. But for the most part, it's we want to tackle. We want to keep you to force you into ten to twelve play drives because we don't think you can do that. Yeah. And well. teams haven't really been able to do that. It's true. Yeah. I mean, it has. I complained about it, but the Louisiana Tech was going into the fourth quarter, right. the end of the fourth quarter, with in the rain delay with seven points. 165 yards. Yeah. Or but it like did that. feel like they had a lot of open receivers, right. yeah. too. In the same. And Nebraska had probably the worst tackling game on, in addition to that. They did. Number one. Well, in what might be a bit of a sad reunion for some Nebraska fans, Columbus High alum Ernest Hausman will make his return to Memorial Stadium this weekend after transferring to Michigan. He's already a significant contributor to that defense as their third leading tackler this year. Mike, I don't really know what to even say about it, but it's just, man. I think what you can say is What could have been. It's worked out for everybody. I mean, he's obviously playing at Michigan, and Nebraska hasn't missed a beat at their second level. I mean, Fair it's, enough, it's one of those things where I think you would love to have him. He's an in-state kid. I think he's going to be a really good player. You could see it. Last it's going to be annoying when he gets drafted in the NFL. Uh, but Man. they picked up and they've been just fine on the second level. That's true. They have. They have. But they, he would. Yeah, they would love be, to have him. Yeah, it'd be good. To, it'd be good because to have his him best too. game at Nebraska against Michigan. Against Michigan. Yeah, and he really shined out, shown in that. And I think he's yeah. going to play well on Saturday. I really do. Yeah, that's super depressing. Seven fifty-two. <laughs> we'll take a break on that note on KLIN. If you come across anything that slows you down, call the traffic hotline 402-479-1414. Keeping you moving with time saver traffic. I'm Chris Lofgren. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, let's take a quick look at the Big Ten. By the way, guys, I'm curious what you think. Big Ten West, we were talking about the rest of the schedule. Uh, Wisconsin probably had the best week. Hard to say who had the worst week between at least Iowa and Minnesota. Um... I would say Northwestern had the best Northwestern, week. I guess, maybe had the best week with a win. If you missed it, uh, Northwestern had a massive comeback to beat <laughs> Minnesota. And as I kind of feared after that Nebraska-Minnesota game ended, that one, as the season went on, was going to look more and more frustrating to Nebraska fans. I predict that to continue to be the case. That's a game that... That was a weird It's too bad thing, Nebraska though. did not have in October or November against Minnesota. Yeah. They gave up, what, 20... Was it 27 points to three points scored in the final 18 minutes or yeah. whatever? Like it, There's a part of me where it's so absurd, it's hard for me to, to distance the fact that for 75% of the game, Minnesota looked like the team that was just yeah. blowing Northwestern out. And did you guys, uh, look, Penn State maybe, maybe who knows, it could be a national champion. Uh, Penn State's but, really good. I, but I think they're going to win the East. But did you see Iowa's numbers? Did you see the stats yeah. in that game? It was, I mean... Absolutely shut down. Brian Ferentz is going to have to work really hard to get that back to 25 or whatever. I mean, by the time they play Nebraska at the end of the year, whatever is going on there with that whole thing is going to be very interesting. I love that we're going to get to that game and know what the number is. uh, 62! The amount of dysfunction that is going on, and maybe Nebraska has some of its own, with like three quarters of Nebraska's opponents for the rest of the year, is going to make for some interesting drama. Yeah. I'll tell and you the, that. The final year of the Pac-12, and they're going, we're going to be just all of these great teams all at once. Last year, the Big Ten West, 
We're going to see how bad we can make it. Real quick, games for this week. Uh, Lafayette at Minnesota. Louisiana Lafayette at Minnesota. Watch out. Penn State at Northwestern. Illinois at Purdue. Wagner, or may I pronounce Wagner, at Rutgers. <laughs> uh, Indiana at Maryland. Yikes. And Michigan State at Iowa. Double yikes. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah. That's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you come across anything that gets in your way, call the traffic hotline 402-479-1414. Keeping you moving with Time Saver Traffic, I'm Chris Ofgren. Boca like the wing to the near side. Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Grant. Picks his way to the left. Inside the 40, 35, 30. Breaks the tackle. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody's thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium. Upside down right now. Three eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Gets hit drop. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. First. Fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, time for Fantasy Huskers. Final pick of the week. Did our last pick come in, by the way? Pick number nine? Yes, it did. Did they go with the 13? John went with 18. Oh, 18. All right. All right. So 13 is still available. 13 and is still available. And then 19 would be your high. This is first downs at Nebraska against, against Michigan. Seven would be, you can take seven and lower. Yeah. So I wouldn't take lower than that. I'd take people right are there. staying away from 13. Yeah. This may be the pick here. This may well, be the pick Well, this would 13. be the week to take 13. That's Taylor Swift's favorite number. Okay. Uh, moving on. So, <laughs> keyword to text in right now to 402-479-1400 is rule. Rule. Using a sentence, please? It would rule if Matt Rule could get the win tomorrow. Country of origin? American. Hmm. <laughs> R-H-U-L-E. Fairly certain he's American. Correct. <laughs> there we go. All right. <laughs> That's called spelling bee strategy. I mean, the name would have descended from somewhere else. <laughs> nope. So. Yeah, nope. I was going to say. It's very American. Where is the R and the H thing together? Where is, uh, I wonder what uh, Rule's nationality is. Know, wherever Rule. rheumatoid comes from. Rule. Or... Wherever what comes from? Is it, was like it... rheumatoid arthritis? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where that I don't know where from. it comes from. <laughs> I don't, I don't... <laughs> we'll look it up. <laughs> 
That, that doesn't sound like a great place to be involved with. Yeah, you tell us about Michigan. I'll look this up. All right, I will. Uh, t- Ancestry.com says German. German. Okay. All right. Interesting. That makes sense. Um, okay, let's talk about, let's talk Michigan on the field first, shall we? And we've, we've done this a little bit so far. Uh, but, Mike, let's just talk overall. So this is a team coming off the playoff last year gets, by the way, it seems like a long time ago, but remember when TCU beat these guys? Holy yeah. cow. Um, I don't remember the game that immediately followed that one, but I do remember TCU Man, TCU, and that game was just, we've been talking all about this pro-style, pro-style offense and run heavy and low scoring and great defense. That was a complete wild shootout oh, in that man. game. That game was so much fun. Yeah, it was a complete shootout for Michigan. No. Um, so, you know, they obviously they obviously do get in those games at times. But uh, since then, obviously, uh, they didn't lose a ton from that team, right? Blake Cornsback lost a little bit on the defense. A little uh, up your, front. Your too, quarter, a little up front on the offensive line. Um, but you got, you know, you got a lot, a lot of back on skill, and that's why they came in highly ranked this year. And some people thought they were the, uh, the pick to win the Big Ten East this year. Four and O so far this year. Their wins have come almost by the exact same score four times in a row. They beat East Carolina 30 to three, UNLV 35 to seven, Bowling Green 31 to six, and Rutgers 31 to seven. Um, so their schedule on the whole, Rutgers is the best team that they've played so far this year. Uh, the rest of those teams are probably bottom 30 teams. The best three teams on their schedule are the last three games they play. Which is Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State. That's a, yeah, it's a real good They play a terrible oh schedule. Oh my goodness. Yeah, listen to the yeah, right. This is why the Big Ten needs to add teams, because this is a terrible schedule. Yeah, I mean, you contrast that with where was Ohio State literally this last week. Yeah. You could make an argument that this Nebraska game is their most Tough test given the environment and the opponent all the way up until they get Penn State on November yeah, 11th. They got at Nebraska, then they go to Minnesota, who beat Nebraska. I get it, but they're kind of reeling right now. Indiana at home, uh, reeling a little bit. At Michigan State, reeling a lot. That Purdue, game. I, Michigan might put 70 on them. This is a who's who of who is struggling right now when it comes to this schedule. The whole <laughs> conference minus It's unbelievable teams. up until November 11th, and then you get the uh, three next best, the three teams who aren't struggling. You should plan uh, really on November right 10th, we should pick between Michigan and Penn State. All right. I'll, Just put I'll, that in your notes. I'll, thank you. I think, <laughs> I think I probably naturally would have done that, but nonetheless. Uh, well, you know, you need some help with that. Sometimes. So statistically, as you can imagine, if they're winning every game 30-something to single digits, their defense is going to have some pretty good numbers, and sure enough, they they do the number three ranked total defense in the nation, giving up 231 yards per game. They are also the 12th ranked rushing defense, only a, a 80 yards rushing allowed per game, and the seventh ranked passing defense at 151. So they have been putting up numbers on defense regardless of who the competition is right now. And that's what you wonder is, you know, you figure Nebraska's offense, given the struggles that they've had, you hope they can do a little bit more. But I've seen a lot of experts nationally out there who are trying to give advice on handicapping this thing. They're like, take the under on what Nebraska scores in almost every situation here at this point. Oh, take the under in the total game. And the total game uh, as well, you think? Uh, well, you get to their offense, and their total offense is 60th in the nation at 405. Rushing offense, 48th. So, you know, with all those big wins, you'd think maybe that gets, and, and uh, you know, 
couple of really good running backs, you think that might be even higher, but they're rushing for 167 per game. Good, but not great. Uh, passing offense is at 237.5. That's 69th right now, and the scoring offense is at 53. I, I think maybe their fan base thinks, okay, I thought some of these games were going to be like previous years when we had blowouts when instead of 31 to 6, it was 62 to 6. Uh, and that hasn't happened there. And so there is still this just little bit of mystery, guys, about how much has the schedule that they played in these first four games really impacted what we think of them versus who they really are. I don't know the answer to that right now. But um, and I, and again, they've proven it last year. They've been solid for the last two years. Harbaugh's, you know, yeah, they pounded Ohio State last year. Part of me almost wonders if they don't really feel the need to open things up until I, they get to November. Why would you? Because you look That's at this schedule point. and you just need to get through the first nine games. All of these are opponents that you can just play your traditional style of just going directly at them. Your depth is better than you, their depth. Your strength is better than their strength. And you don't have to like reinvent the wheel on it. So, and of course, you missed your head coach for the first three games of the season That's too. True too. So I I wonder if some of it is just that. Some of it is just the way the game flow hasn't resulted in them just being able to snowball a team entirely. But you know, you hope that Nebraska isn't the first one that they're able to do that for. But <laughs> right. uh, you know, we'll see on on Saturday. But I I look at it where they play their style. They've had one game going to the forties this year as a total. One. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, it's been 33 points, 38 points, and 37 points. So mm-hmm. uh, they're not like, I don't think they're going to come in here and do anything dramatically different because I, I don't think that they're necessarily saving anything for Penn State and Ohio State. But it's if you don't need to open it up, why would you? I think all they're doing right now is go in, get the win, make sure everyone is healthy. Because a thirty-one to seven win counts the same as a sixty-two right. to seven win. Does. Yeah, I mean their five biggest games in theory all come after you know the November game that they have against Purdue, and then right. it's it's Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State, Big Ten championship game, playoff game. Yeah, like, yeah. those are what they care about. The yeah. first five games do not care nearly as much. Feels like an Nebraska. Do what you need to do to just get there. Feels like a Nebraska schedule in the late 80s, basically, when you're like, well, we're just waiting to get to that one game in November. In this case, it's three games. Uh, their pass-to-run ratio, they have uh, attempted 93 passes. They've attempted 135 runs. That counts sacks in there, although I don't, don't think they have a lot of those. Uh, J.J. McCarthy. Tell me, Mike, about about J.J. McCarthy. Um, he can run a little bit. He's very efficient as a passer, uh, up there at almost 80% completion pass completion rate this year. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When he first got to Michigan, and this is feels like it's 17 years ago, he was a backup for Cade McNamara, and he was like the dynamic guy. They yeah. would bring him in to do fun stuff, and this was going to be the future of, of Harbaugh's offense. Go look at his rushing yards. Like 67. 14 for 86 with sacks factored in yeah. so far this so year. He's been sacked three times. They're not even opening this thing up to what he can do necessarily. And I think a lot of it is he needs to build himself. If he's going to play in the NFL and you're playing the style, he needs to build himself as a passer. We know when Nebraska lost 30 to three or whatever it was last year in Michigan, he didn't play well. Like he really struggled. He did not throw the ball well. It was a cold, ugly game. Um, so I think Nebraska can have some success if you force if you're able to take away the run. It's a big if, but if you are able to do that and you make Michigan one dimensional, one dimensional for the first time this year, it could be really interesting how they respond to that. I yeah. mean, if you put pressure on JJ McCarthy to make plays, that's when he can get combustible. 
maybe then you get one of your interceptions and you can you turn things around that way. But he's he's been a pretty steady quarterback. It's just when things have gone bad, they've been really bad. For him. And and you you then look at their running backs, and I think Blake Corm was a huge name coming into the season. Husker fans saw him last year; looked mm-hmm. great against Nebraska. Saw him the last, last two year, years. yeah, last two years looked looked really good in both of those games. And then they've got Donovan Edwards, who's number seven, who's kind of their second guy, who's probably the better NFL. Uh, prospect than Blake Corum is. Edwards only has 109 yards this year on 33 carries, so not and no touchdowns. So they've they've really relied on Corum, and he's been the more productive back so far. He's got eight touchdowns this year and an average of 6.1. But it's primarily going to be those two guys, and you know Corum has been one of those guys that just he looks like he looks like the proverbial Michigan running back when he runs is yeah. is the best way that I can describe it. A lot of he breaking a lot of tackles, solid, not necessarily a, a huge speed. You earn your tackle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was in twenty twenty one, Nebraska came into that game and I thought that they could have an advantage there and Blake Corum basically just really ripped up their tackling. Yep. And they, they run hard. I mean this is they're a hard nosed team. Right. And you know, Matt Rule talked about this is what he wants Nebraska to look like in the future. This is an opportunity to go toe-to-toe with that. I think they've got to come out and meet that that energy level and and try to meet them there as much as they can. Michigan has very primarily thrown only to four people. Uh, Roman Wilson has been the most productive. He's got six touchdowns already this year at the wide receiver position, which is pretty impressive for a team that doesn't throw that often. The fact that he's got six touchdowns uh, leads in yardage, but Cornelius Johnson has almost the same numbers in terms of yardage as does Roman Wilson. Those are your two wideouts. Then, of course, Michigan's got a tight end that's pretty good. Colson Loveland, uh, he's got 168 yards as well. And then they'll throw, they'll kind of use Edwards as that third down back and throw to him out of the backfield too, uh, but Roman Wilson, uh, you know, I don't know a ton about him, but he he's uh, he's got some good numbers this year here. This yeah, it seems like they they really utilize him in the red zone. I mean, you're you're able to kind of set up some play action passing there, and you go up and uh, I don't know what he is size wise, but it seems like you're you're trying to six oh one ninety two. So you're not he's you're not Hawaii. necessarily throwing him fades or anything, but. They're just they're able to take advantage in the red zone on some of these uh, RPOs or just straight up play actions. Yeah, he's about to eclipse his uh, reception numbers for last year already. Here, maybe in the next two weeks, here he's already eclipsed his touchdown numbers for the last two years. So a lot more of a featured wide receiver this year uh, than than he's been in previous years. Uh, and then you know I don't know I Chris Jenkins I know is potential first round draft pick across that defensive line. Junior uh, Colson. Junior really Colson's good. is really good. Um, you probably have I don't know five guys on that defense who five or more that might get drafted. I mean, you could have up to twelve when you start talking about. Yeah, I guess when you're going are, all the way through, you know, in the so future, it, but that'll play. Yeah, it's a loaded defense, and they're good at the second level. I mean, their top three guys and tackles are all linebackers. Their linebackers are so athletic. Their ability to create havoc is second to none. I mean, so I think the big thing again, you know, Nebraska can't put themselves in a lot of situations where. You are just straight dropping back because you're going to allow for the the potential of sacks. I mean, they have several yeah. sacks already this year. They're going to get after it up front. I don't love Nebraska's pass protection right now. Uh, you know, they don't have an Aiden Hutchinson, so this right. they don't have an elite pass rushing defensive end. But they have so many guys that can hurt you in different ways. Their sacks have come from the defensive line almost exclusively. The linebackers, while they have a lot of tackles, they've not necessarily mm-hmm. been the ones that have been. I don't uh, think they've a lot of sacks, and so which I think has been a particularly weak, particular weakness for for Nebraska when yep. they drop back is not having that blitz covered up. So we'll see if they mix that up a little bit more. I also don't think Michigan is needed to. Like, yeah, I like, think they played a lot of base for four games. Yeah, and now they probably were thinking as as things were getting weird with Rutgers. 
maybe we might we might want to just start having these ready if if we need to dial this up. They just ultimately never needed to. So so they've gone through their first four games again, all at home, being able to just say we'll get through this game. We don't really have to show anything. Now yeah. that said, you could get into this one and knowing that. They are on the road for the first time. How do they want to handle that? Get some guys just the experience of being in that environment for the first time this season. They might dial up a few more of those. Yeah. Um, man, I just looked through this. The whole defense are seniors everywhere, too. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> Caleb was talking about it. It's like all these guys have played on the road, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, but for, I, for I know this what year, you mean. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like there's, there's really no area where you look at this Michigan team and you're like, oh, Kind of weak there. Like the closest you can get is their offensive line. Instead of being one of the ten best in football, is maybe just solid this year. Like one of the forty best. <laughs> yeah, people around here would be like, "Oh, that'd be amazing! Give me that." What's Man. that like? Yeah, <laughs> but seriously, I'm clicking just on the statistical leaders, and uh, and almost everyone, with only a couple exceptions, have have been Housman seen. Being one of the Housman, yeah. yeah. Um, so there you go. Some experience. So. Got got the work cut out for them here this year, does Nebraska against Michigan. Maybe next year they'll lose some of those guys, too. Um, we'll see if they're on the schedule next year. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, you got to get a new 2024 schedule. Have you ever thought about why Michigan is the Wolverines? Anyone out there? Um, did you did think, it come from fur trapping? Did, did we think there were Wolverines running around in the state of Michigan? I always kind of thought that. I thought, you know, it seems like a... Great Lakes type of animal, I guess. Like, there's a lot of like beavers and did stuff. It, did and, a wolverine pull anyone out of a fire? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, no. They were wearing maize and blue jackets. Oh, wow. And they wrapped the wolverine in a maize and a blue jacket. Well, can I tell you <laughs> that there has never been a verified trapping of a wolverine inside the state's borders, nor have skeletal remains of a wolverine been found in the 96,000 square miles that comprise Michigan. In fact, there had never even been a verified sighting of a wild wolverine until 2004. I'm hearing a lot of liars. It, I mean, it took until Rich Rod got there, really, to get any wolverines actually in the wow. state at that point. there, that There's truly is no, once again, we got no real known reason why Wolverine was chosen as the nickname. Now, that you have to go back to Fielding Yost, who he was in the 40s, and his speculation about that. He felt the reason the nickname concerned the trading of Wolverine pelts that occurred in Salt St. Marie for many years. The trading station served as an exchange between Native Americans and other trappers and fur traders, and they would eventually ship that stuff to the eastern United States. And because a lot of those furs were actually Wolverine pelts, traders referred to them as, coming from the port, Michigan Wolverines that had gone through the Port of Michigan, leading that state nickname and ultimately to the University of Michigan representation. So, by the way, you mentioned Fielding Yost, very famous Nebraska head coach in 1898. Oh, yeah, yes. All right. Went yep. eight and three. There you go. I was going to say, I know that name. Why yep. do I know that, that name? That, that was my there first thought. I was like, wait a minute. Is that the one? Yes, it is. There's another, in, in another article, uh, Albert Marquardt presented another theory. His reasoning was when Michigan was first settled by the French in the late 1700s, the appetites of the French, who made up a sizable portion of the settlers, were judged to be gluttonous or Wolverine-like, and therefore the title was Wolverines was set upon them. So nothing like naming potentially naming your football team after gluttonous French people. <laughs> Damn French. <laughs> oh, uh, Pepe Le Pew. Yeah, so so that is good. By the way, wild wolverines do exist in Oregon, Montana, Washington, Colorado, Wyoming, California, 
and parts of Canada. So okay, you can if you are looking for a wolf. Although they don't sound like nice animals. Yeah, I don't know that you should be out looking for wolves. Uh, I would I would tend to agree with that. Uh, famous alums for Michigan. Michael Phelps, Gerald Ford. Uh, let's see. James Earl Jones, presidential candidate Ben Carson, Iggy Pop, actress Selma Blair, <laughs> actor Darren Chris, political commentator Ann Coulter, uh, Arthur Miller, screenwriter, playwright, essayist. Let's see. Gilda Radner went wow. to Michigan. Really? That's interesting. Madonna spent some time there at Michigan. There are so many people. John DeLorean. This is the guy who invented the DeLorean, obviously, if you've watched Back to the Future. That's what what that is. Um, let's see. Valerie Jarrett. She was in, wasn't she in Obama's uh, cabinet? Dave Coulier. Dave Coulier. Cut it out. All right. He went to Michigan. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> Margot Martindale, who's on every streaming series in Netflix for about a 10-year yeah, period. An incredible character actress. She was everywhere. Dave Portnoy, for Portnoy from Barstool, who's going to be here this weekend. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's a Michigan alum. I'm not even doing any of the... Jonas Salk. <laughs> Jonas Salk. Yes, first polio vaccine. I love it that they're like they're ordered, yeah. And there's no rhyme or reason. Like you have right. randomly Chris Weber is ahead of Jonas right. Salk, right? Sanjay Gupta. I mean, goodness sakes, they got a they got a good list. They've got a pretty good list. Last week we struggled a little bit with Louisiana. Mike Tech. Wallace. Mike Wallace. Yes, another one. David Allen Greer, Michigan. We're starting to finally get to the end of the uh, get get to the end of it. Larry Elder, current presidential candidate. Wasn't in the debate, but current presidential candidate. All right, so there you go. That's who we got. That's who we got going against us for Michigan. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Ann Davis, who was in the uh, Brady Bunch, Alice. was there. Yeah, Ann Davis. Is, she went to Michigan. You're kidding me. <sighs> All right, it's 827. I feel intimidated now by the University of Michigan. <laughs> Except for the Wolverine thing, that's pretty funny. It's LNK today. Just if you see all the celebs there, just think of the gluttonous French, and you're gonna be, <laughs> you're gonna be okay. You're with LNK today with Jack and friends on the Friday Oscar tailgate on KLIN. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The Friday evening, Friday night, and into early Saturday morning. The low tonight, 67. The high on Saturday, near 92. From the 1011 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Brett Anderson. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIF. All right, and the team has expanded. Kevin Suits, 
sports director over at 1011 KOL on KGIN, joins us right now. Mr. Suits, how are you doing this morning? Good, Good to well. see you. Good morning. Good morning. You ready for a blazing hot weekend uh, carrying that camera around uh, Friday night and Saturday? Mid-90s tomorrow? Yeah. Whew. They're playing an afternoon game? Yeah. You would think late September... It's going to be a nice taste of fall, but it is going to be. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's fall your, does not exist. Bring your breathing clothing, you know? Yeah. like We're skipping your over gear. this year. I feel like <laughs> this is the type of game that they should have been complaining about at Ohio State. Not the, we're not going to play night games in mid-November. No, they should have been saying, right. hey, in the first four or five weeks of the season, we're probably not going to play any mid-afternoon games. It's all either got to be at night or 11 a.m. I wonder if we're going to get on the... Uh, that'd be pretty amazing if we got one of those shots on the TV broadcast where they take the, the thermometer down to the field. <laughs> oh, you don't think <laughs> we're going to get that shot? Give us the on-field temperature on September 30th. That'd be amazing. Yeah, usually it's August 30th. You know, cause <laughs> that's a shot that we typically get at the games if they have the thermometer. I remember when Nebraska opened the season, what, two, three years ago at Illinois? Because that was oh, the man. Week Zero game. They yeah, played that okay. game. Game on the sun. Yes, that game. I remember by pregame, uh, by the end of pregame, I was drenched in sweat, and I had already slammed like eight Dasani waters. Like it was a miserable experience, and the game hadn't even started. Uh, well, and then the press box, there wasn't even AC flowing in that oh, thing, and so no. it's not like you're coming in from outside. I don't know what the media workroom was like down on the field, but Horrible. you you come in from the outside, and you're just hoping for some relief, and you just walk in, and it's stale air and stinky sports. Sports writers. And it was, and then Nebraska played the way they played that game. It was one of the worst road experiences covering. But they do have post game beer. Oh, in the press conference, they I will say this: Illinois treats conference. you really. They, you have pizza, you have post game beer. Like they, they treat you really well as visiting. Oh, media. I've never heard of that post game beer. Like huh? Minnesota, the only has, one that does it. I think. Minnesota has the novelty ice cream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Illinois got the beer afterwards. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Hey, right. They didn't have hey, ice cream this year. So note. That's right. Why? Oh, why is it Nebraska handing out dip and dots? cookies? That's what I remember. <laughs> You're right. Flaxseed. Okay, if we could go back to <laughs> week, they had all natural flaxseed. It's nice cookies. to get a little fiber in, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Uh, all right. Well, note to anybody who goes to Illinois on Friday night then uh, to cover the game because that's the uh, this next matchup for Nebraska. Hey, uh, Kevin, I want to hear first kind of let's start with the stadium stuff since that obviously was such a big story yesterday uh, that you were covering, I'm sure. Just kind of your reaction. What stood out to you about what we learned yesterday about the stadium project? Everybody is going to talk about the seating situation, especially South Stadium. Uh, I have a different lens of the whole situation. I've never been to a Nebraska football game as a fan. Interesting. I've only gone in a working capacity. So a lot of it was an interesting study for me yesterday when they announced the renovation plans to hear from so many people and how that is going to affect them, their wives, their kids, their grandparents and folks that have had tickets for so long. Um, so it that, that was just really interesting to hear how it's going to impact so many different people in so many different ways. One of my big takeaways from the whole situation was the con- they're going to try to make this thing wrap all the way around. It seems that the way that they have continued to expand Memorial Stadium, it's been the North Stadium project. It's been the East Stadium project. And it's like there's four different stadiums in one, so to say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How are they going to connect all four? Because they were all constructed in a different way and at a different time. Right. So (laughs) different technology. (laughs) Yeah. The the engineers behind this are, I'm sure, going to be very challenged. Uh, So that was honestly... will maybe be cool once you see it, but when the announcement came out, everybody else, I guess, interpreted the renovation plans in a different way. I went straight to the concourse situation. Yeah. 
That's that's one of the biggest things for me too. Is just um, whether it's work or, or being a fan. Like I'm trying to find someone else in the stadium where they're at. Sometimes it's nearly impossible to get, as you said, from one stadium to the other. Right from from south to east, for example. It's it can be very difficult. And we heard Trev Albert say multiple times during the press conference, points of sale. So they're trying to increase their uh, you know merchandising and the things that you can purchase during the game, not just concessions. Mm-hmm. And I think building the concourse in the way that they hope to do it that's a big driving factor yeah. behind it is you want folks to be able to go from section you know 300 or 301 to section 313 on the opposite side of the stadium and as you're going there to try to meet with friends or family within the stadium maybe pick up you know a new foam finger or a new t-shirt yeah and yeah. people are more likely to do that or concessions whatever it is if it's easier to get back to their seat right because that, that's been a big part of it is do I go visit merchandising or a concession stand, or do I feel like I want to watch the next thirty minutes of football? Do they even have like a? They don't even have like a team store in that stadium, right? Like there's there's like little kiosk things set up. There's trailers outside yeah. too. But it, you know, when he talks about point of sale, some of his they, they so. don't have the infrastructure for any of that currently. So they yeah. they obviously want to bake that in. You guys ever concourse. go to the uh, fan store between sets two and three at the Devaney Center for a volleyball match? I know people. Yeah, I know about it. The place yeah. is buzzing. It's yeah. hard. Same to with something. basketball. I mean, that one before a game. If you're you go in, you're like, oh, I want to buy a hat or I want to buy this before a game. Good luck. You're missing yeah, tennis. Right. <laughs> that's inter- That's that's a really interesting point. The other thing talking about those concourses, and you guys have been to even if you haven't been to a Nebraska game as a fan, you've been to other probably baseball games. I haven't really been to NFL games, but now it's like an expectation uh, when you go to a concourse. You even just think like Haymarket Park or something simple like that. That was going to be my example. Is that you can see the field from almost everywhere, and I assume... Favorite thing. You've probably been to some baseball stadiums and stuff. Is that That's kind of an expectation now in baseball well, when football I, stadiums. You know, when I do my, my very important self-rankings of these stadiums, a concourse where I can watch the game while not being at my seat elevates it. I think so too. It's like I love being able to keep an eye on the action while also going and getting a beer or whatever else it is. I mean, we we met up uh, last year at Coors Field when you were going out the steamboat, and I happened to be there. And Cleveland was playing, and uh, you know, Kevin and I are talking in the concourse, and we can do it in a way where we can look out at home plate, see everything that's going on, and not miss anything. Yeah, but don't tell me Rutgers that is in the top half. I mean, because they have a great. You talk about concourse area. And Rutgers, I haven't been to Rutgers, so I can't I can't speak. Well, no, I would only talk about baseball. Yeah. Well, if you like from a college football perspective to be able to see the field no matter where you're at, Rutgers is actually pretty nice. <laughs> really? Well, and that's, it's open. You know, it's really easy to get from what would be their west side to the south side, and they've got all these signs that say uh, the birthplace of college football. Yeah. They like just hammer. Did they make a big it. club party atmosphere for the Friday night game last year? Well, yeah, they played the Timmy Trumpet song about <laughs> three thousand times. <laughs> But that was, they're know. hoping Edwin Diaz would come down from the big city. <laughs> I don't think Nebraska's trying to model Memorial Stadium off of <laughs> Rutgers. <laughs> I would have loved to have heard Trev said that when he said the places he traveled. <laughs> we visited the Cubs and Notre Dame and Rutgers. <laughs> uh, but to your point, Mike, that is one thing that Rut- makes Rutgers Stadium not be, you know, yeah. at the bottom of the rankings in the Big Ten Stadium Tour. What would be the bottom of your rankings for the Big Ten? I have it on my phone if you really want to give me a few minutes to look it up. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, Mar- absolutely. I think, I think it's Maryland. 
Is it Mar- is it Maryland? I think one of the things that the Ooh. point that Jack Mitchell has made Maryland has got times. accessibility issues. I think that's split from side to side. You can't get all the way around the stadium. Same thing. What point was I making? Well, you've you've talked before about how much you want to just pace while you watch a game sometimes. That's true. I that is one thing I should have brought up to Trev is that I uh I would like a special section for the Pacers for those who are just who are just walking Not the around. Indiana Pacers. No, not the Pacers for I think there should be a pacing section for fans who wish to not sit down during the game. And I just around. looked it up. I, I do have what Maryland was it? Maryland's, Maryland's at the last. bottom. Yeah, and okay. I had Rutgers second to last. Okay. All right. Well they got the boost. Iowa at ten. I, Iowa needs to probably move up. Yeah, last I, year it was. That was the one where I was like, it's probably a little lower than where I would have it relative to some others. Like I would not put Northwestern above Iowa, but I also have no affinity for anything going on in Evanston. Ever. Part part of my issue with Iowa has been the logistics from a media standpoint. Our old, you know, where they put the photographers off of the field, it was literally in a closet yeah. that had about nine seats at most it was dimly lit and you had to go like on a dirt path that had an incline to get it was it was horrible <laughs> and the walls were painted pink yeah, no, it, that, it, uh, was, <laughs> it was real it's it was really a challenging place to be to cover a football game yeah. when you're running a camera but they now have a new area so it's a lot better and, and plus the game last year was a little bit more entertaining than the previous games yeah. it wasn't negative seven degrees so yeah i, I think iowa probably needs to move up kevin, kevin let's get into uh to nebraska on the field here um you know you had you had the northern Illinois game you had the louisiana tech game both were wins one felt really different than the other kind of in terms of the reaction how much difference did you see between how nebraska played versus the two opponents no, not really. Yeah. I, I just thought they kind of stayed true to who they were. If anything, there was a little more option last Saturday, even though Heinrich doesn't uh, pitch the ball much, if at all, <laughs> and he's going to have to. Uh, but I thought offensively what they what they did was pretty, you know, by the book, so to say. I think the most fascinating element of the offense last Saturday against Louisiana Tech was the first play of scrimmage. Did you notice who was on the field? Malachi Coleman, Tommy Hill, they tried to run verticals and hit a big play in play number one. And after that... No, just kind of run Anthony Grant, run a little option, and keep it kind of simple. That's interesting. I did. I didn't notice. That. I mean, I I think I saw it. I saw fifteen on the field because I I noticed that right away, which is Malachi. But yeah. I didn't notice that they were running them on verticals. Like yeah, that. but and Heinrich didn't get enough time to let the play develop and throw the ball deep. <laughs> that goes to exact. That goes to what you just said, Mike. Is you kind of you thought the first half was kind of used the last couple of weeks yeah to, to try sort of, some things and to then, try some things. Then they go to the second half and it's like here's what we know will work. We're going to do this. We'll distance ourselves. We'll put the game away. But the first half in the last two games, especially against Northern Illinois. Um, and then again, Louisiana Tech. Let's try to figure out what else we can do with this offense. And that's why sometimes it looks okay, other times it looks bad. It's also why people were getting really upset right away. You're facing a team that's a terrible run defense. You come out and you try to throw the ball immediately. I might have. Here's I, the thing. I might have said that they need to work <laughs> on this stuff. Like they they have to get better in the offense in totality. It can't just be we know we can run the football, so run the football. They never felt like they were in danger Wait, of losing that game. you saying use games as practice, essentially? In some ways, yeah. <laughs> when it's Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech, you have the yeah, option. I don't you know, know, especially like last Saturday's game, the second that it went to, what was it, 21-7, 
You felt it was like over. The game was done. So yeah, you had like you it, had yeah. some play time. And I know they're trying to work in some of the guys that don't have a ton of college football experience, but also from a play calling perspective, uh, you you could mess around a little bit. It's not going to cost you the game because you just got the sense that Nebraska was the better team. And also, they had worn down Louisiana Tech, yeah. especially on defense. Those guys, well, they, they were okay, but they were tired. There were big holes by in that third quarter when they started to, to, to rush the ball. And Anthony Grant, as I said, some of the bigger holes that I've seen from the Nebraska offensive line. And so that was encouraging. If that's when they turned it on, maybe that does something say something good about the, the offense. I'm curious, Kevin. I mean, I think you know what you do have in the quarterback run game. You're going to get Anthony Grant a lot of carries as well. What else do you think if Nebraska adds a little something more, which they're probably going to need against Michigan, to be an option there for them and to go to what might be that thing that's going to get them a big play or more points here in this game? You got to stretch the field. You know, we've talked about this yeah, in previous how? weeks. But I know. You, <laughs> you have to have the receiver to do it. You have to have the offensive line that can protect the quarterback. You have to have the quarterback that can throw the deep ball. I think Heinrich can, but I think he has to have appropriate time to do so. And I'll let him go through his reads and be confident in the throw. Yeah. So, and that's that's my answer, Jack. It's but not how a do you accomplish one. it? Yeah. What do you? I mean, do you think Nebraska has to have has to be able to take some shots, or 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 can you just say it's just that you don't have the personnel to take deep shots? What do you think, Caleb? I, I think you have to leave yourself the availability to try to hit one a game at the very least, because because if 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 you're not, everyone's just going to go. It's short throws, and they're running yeah. the ball. Yeah. So, so they're going to be able to to overcommit to that. Now, it is nice to see that they did roll a couple guys out and they did send them deep. And I know there were a couple of times during the game that it was like, man, if 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 Heinrich had a half a second more, it looked like somebody was open for what would have been a, a 25, 30 yard pass in the air, not not just getting it to someone at five yards and they break some stuff. So there there have been opportunities that you've seen guys in space. But it's usually right as someone's breaking through the offensive line, and you're starting to see the the quarterback have to move out of the pocket, and then the secondary is going. It's impossible for him to make a throw over here with his back turned. Yeah. So we can immediately say that guy doesn't matter anymore, and they start to shrink the field. So I I think it's good for this offense if they can get some of those guys that are on the next level have to take a step back knowing that somebody might be a threat down there just right now that's that's not an it's not an option for Nebraska because they can't hold up on the line Marcus Satterfield and Matt Rule have both said this week they're going to have to throw the football in order to win yep. as the season goes on yeah and this is coming from the same staff that has said what's part of the blueprint to winning and what they want to do it's to run the football so they know they have to that, keep teams honest exactly they know they they're they're just not at a talent level that's so high that you can just pound the rock and win games. You're going to have to throw. And I think uh, if you can kind of zoom in on that a little bit, they're going to have to throw the ball and complete passes on third and seven. Mm-hmm. But to your point of hitting deep, Caleb, you know, the Tommy Hill deep shot, that's on the bingo card, and it's getting crossed off every single week. <laughs> yeah. You know, they try to get him the ball. They they want him to have a big mm-hmm. play. It just hasn't Well, it was yet. interesting because there were some people who I, I watched the game with or talked to the week right after the Louisiana Tech game. They said, this Tommy Hill thing isn't working. It's not working. You still talk to the coaches this week, or I heard what they said when you guys were there. Mike, they're still, I mean, they're all in on that thing still. I, I want like. them to be, though, because you, you have to have that element – available to you and there's really no one besides tommy hill that 
they're comfortable yet really doing that with. I mean, you mentioned Malachi Coleman on that first play, but it's notable to me that he's really, when he's come in, it's been a play here, a play there. Hasn't really been like a series. It hasn't been much more than that. So, they, you know, they're not trying to make Tommy Hill a 15-catch-a-guy, this 15-catch-a-season guy, but if you can get one big play to just alleviate things, to let you kind of flip the field on a defense, to put it in the back of the mind of a defensive coordinator for both the game and the future games. You can't just throw that thing away. You can't just live off of, you know, seven yard passes. Like it's gotta, you've gotta be able to show enough to make teams respect it. Because right now, we can all sit here and expect what Michigan's going to look like on defense. They're going to be sitting right on top of Nebraska the whole game, <laughs> yes. daring Heinrich Harburg to do something. It's hard enough so, as it is. Yeah, you have alone, to be yeah. willing to press that button because if you're not, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Notable, by the way, for a young guy like Malachi Coleman, he has participated in four games. Yeah, he, I don't think he's redshirting. I mean, it's, it, right. it didn't seem like he wanted a redshirt. Uh, it also does not feel like he's yet in the flow of consistently being in the games. However, they talked all the time. They want that to happen in late October and November. Like they're thinking about the final five games with these freshmen. Everyone else has been thinking about these first Interesting. four. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I still think that's coming for some of these younger guys. <laughs> There's a lot about patience right now. Patience is program, not in uh which is not yeah, it's in short yeah. supply probably with yeah. a lot of people <laughs> and I get why. It's been Matt Rule even talked about it. Like he hasn't been here in the last ten years. He hasn't gone through all of this. He doesn't have that level of impatience that the fan base has right now. Which is good. So, he shouldn't. You don't yeah. want your head coach no. to be impatient four no. games in. No, without a doubt. Um, Kevin, just some whatever thoughts you've got on the Nebraska defense matchup against the Michigan offense. I think the thought kind of is that if Nebraska wins this game, they need to do it around their defense, and they need to show, you know, they need to play like the number one rushing defense in the country that they are right now. Are they up to the task? Well, we'll find out, especially the defensive line, who has been so good this year, one of the surprises of the, se- uh, the season so far. But there's going to be a pretty big uptick in what they're going up against this week. So we're talking about the Kai Wallen, Riley Van Poppels, uh, the A.J. Rollins. Yeah. You know, it doesn't sound like Cam Linhart's going to play. But that group up front, like they've been productive. They've been consistent to this point. But going from Louisiana Tech to Michigan, this is going from JV to varsity. I mean, this is a buckle up your chin strap kind of game. And so in terms of stopping the run, because that's what Michigan is going to attempt to do, it starts with the defensive line, and can these guys hold their own? And it's going to be also also pretty fascinating to watch how this three three five, which has fewer guys on the line, how this operates. This defense, who a lot of people around here have really fallen in love with, but how does it match up against a North and South Michigan running operation? Yeah, absolutely. And I bet to your point about some of those guys you listed off who haven't had as much experience, I'm going to guess it, the substitution patterns might not quite be as fluid as they have been in some of the other games. I know they're committed to that, but maybe you think you don't think so? I mean, it's hard because if the goal is you want to keep guys fresh, so you're getting it, great performance or great effort maybe, on but, every play. Or, you know, up front, I think we're getting a lot of Nash. I was oh, going to no. say, Ruquan Buckley was in on the third drive for, right. for Nebraska. I, I don't think that's I, happening I don't against know that's Michigan. happening, yeah. That, but that, that, that middle level and maybe on maybe the back there. end. Yeah. Because I think they feel good about like 16 guys on defense. Yeah. I mean, they, they feel good about more than that, but I, I think that there's probably 16 to 17 players interchangeably that could be in your best 11.
All right, we'll take a break. The picks are coming up next. We'll update you on who moved this week, and we'll tell you what's going to happen during this weekend's games on KLIN. Into Friday evening, Friday night, and into early Saturday morning. The low tonight, 67. The high on Saturday, near 92. From the 1011 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Brett Anderson. Cracking rights mean everything to these guys. So, let the trash talk begin. It's time to call your shot in the Friday Husker Tailgate Pickskin Picks of the Week. Brought to you by Exchange Bank on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, it's time for the picks. Standings update, Caleb. You calculate them, so go ahead and uh, let us know what's going on here with the standings. If you want to. Okay. You, you've you just done it the last couple of weeks, so I didn't even pull it up. Oh, but, sorry, I got it. I, no. I got it right here. Okay. Kevin uh, <laughs> Kevin got three last week, stays in first, but tied for first because Caleb got four. Uh, uh, Caleb got uh, Wisconsin, Kansas, Washington State, and Nebraska. By the way, it looks like, Caleb, nobody got their upset even one point this whole week, correct? And that, upsets got smoked. Yeah, no, nobody nobody lost. covered. That's the only thing I ever focus on. I never pay attention to anyone else's score predictions or the other. I four just want to know who everyone's. I picking only focus that. on the upsets, and I know everyone got smoked. <laughs> uh, I did. Uh, I had yep. the best week. I actually had five. So now we got a two a two way tie in first at fifteen between Kevin and Caleb. A two way tie in fourth between Mike and me. Yeah, you needed so. that uh, Notre Dame meltdown to get you I into did. this tie. I did. I got that it. Was so a, I got the difference. I got three out of the four head to head ones, which was better than anyone else did. I was also closest on. Nebraska. So that brings us to this week. Mike was already critiquing my head-to-head picks for this week. He's mad that we're not doing Oregon State and Utah. It's a good game tonight. I didn't. I don't know. What, I won't maybe be able I, to watch. But a good game. Tonight. I didn't, maybe I didn't look at Friday night games. We should I'm have been sure. doing Kansas, Texas. There's no way. That's a 17. I would have got four Texases again. Florida at Kentucky. This is the game everyone's talking about. Florida <laughs> at Kentucky. Uh, Caleb, uh, you're still tied for first, so we'll go. Caleb, Kevin, uh, Mike, and then me around the table here. So, Caleb. Who I'm, do you got? I'm going to go Gators. You're going ga- go Gators. That doesn't work. What? Okay, Stop never it. mind. That was dumb. <laughs> I'm with you. I like Florida. <laughs> All right, Mike. Uh, in the email I sent last night, I went with Kentucky. <laughs> Mike, I had to look at my picks, too. All right, Mike's on uh, on an island on that one, on uh, Kentucky Island, which is funny sounding. I got Florida in that one as well. All right, Big Ten. Illinois at Purdue. Whew. One of these two teams getting a loss is going to be in a bad place. I don't know who it's going to be, though. Well, I I was uh, unreasonably high on Illinois to start the year, so I feel like I'm just going to try to love them a little bit. So we're going to go with the Illini. What do you think, Kevin, about this one? Well, I'm surprised that we're at this point that this is essentially a pick 'em because yeah. <laughs> at the start of the year you thought Illinois would probably be favored in this game by two touchdowns. I've got the Illini. Mike? I think they still should be favored by two touchdowns because I think Purdue's that bad. I'm going Illinois. Wow. Uh, Mike thinks Illinois' competition has been better. I actually have Illinois, too. So there you go. Four for four on Yay. that one. Uh, college game day is here at uh, Duke for football, not basketball. Notre Dame at Duke. Yeah, the Irish bounce back from last week. I'm with you. Notre Dame. Mike? Notre Dame. I'll take the upset. Duke pulls it off. Notre Dame's going to be really frustrated thinking about last week. LSU at Ole Miss. Why are you guys giving each other signals? LSU at <laughs> Ole Miss. Go Tigers. Uh, all right. Caleb's got the I'm with the lane train. I got Ole Miss. Ooh, all right. Division. Here we go. I uh, I think LSU's really good. I'm going LSU. I'll split that one. I'm going to take Ole Miss on that one. They feel due for a win here. All right. Upset of the week. Make sure you remember who you've got. Uh, start, Caleb, with you. Rock Chalk, 16 and a half at Texas, baby. Is that why you wanted that one? Just so you could double up on it? Absolutely. Uh, 
I would love that you to happen. Do that thing too. I would love that that to be a thing, but I just don't. I don't think so this year. You know what's better than Pac-12 after dark? <laughs> Mountain West after dark. <laughs> yes. San Diego State getting ten and a half at Air Force. I'm going with Brady Hogan the Aztecs. <laughs> You don't hear that sentence too often. We've had a Rich Rod and got, a Brady Hoke reference. They so got to stop the run somehow. But <laughs> yeah. I like San Diego State with the ten and a half. All right. I don't know how we're going to work in Lloyd Carr, but <laughs> uh, I am going to go with Iowa State getting twenty points against Oklahoma this weekend. Iowa State's defense still good. Their offense bad, but I think they can keep Oklahoma hanging around. I, I think it's going to be a loss. But maybe it's only a loss by 17 and a point for me. <laughs> there you go. And they're always weirdly tough against Oklahoma. Yeah. In Norman especially. I didn't love this week. I don't know how you guys felt about the upset choices, but this this was one of the standouts. Please tell me for Jack me. took Colorado here. No, I took one that I think might be an outright win. I might be getting two points. It's an 11-point underdog, but Louisiana Lafayette is going to Minnesota, and I think they might win that game. I really do. So we will see. All right, Nebraska score. Caleb, who you got? I'm going to go with Michigan 31 Nebraska 10. Kevin? Michigan 23, Nebraska 10. So do I need to change my score if it's the exact same as Caleb's? Doesn't or do matter. I just... You can split All the right. point if you want yeah. to. Uh, same thing, 31 to 10. I think Nebraska is the first team to get to double digits on Michigan this year. <laughs> it's the first time we've ever had this. Same score for Nebraska for all four picks. I got Michigan 27, Nebraska 10 in that one as well. So, hey, we're really big on 10 listen, here. Michigan's had the same score basically for all four games, so you kind of know what's going to happen. Hopefully we're all dead wrong about that. Uh, for Kevin, for Mike, for Caleb, for Kenny, hey, thanks so much, everybody, for joining us today. We'll be back here on Monday and then next Friday for a game day version of the Friday Husker tailgate before Nebraska goes to Illinois. It is 858 on KLIN. When you're thinking